Salted away, seven uh-huh. seconds left. Matherin steals the ball and tries to dunk it, and Bulls are like, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? It's one of those, like, unwritten rules, you know? Yeah. In the NBA of you're dribbling out the clock, and it's clear that no attempt is going to be made by the Bulls to try and score in that moment. And Matherin, I thought last night from Matherin, Mark, we saw the most – Maybe the first half of Philly would be the other half I'd point to. I saw, I thought we saw the most like frustration, or you know, sometimes kind of throwing up his hands at teammates a little bit, like, "Hey, I need help here," or "Hey, did you not see me here?" or frustration with officials. I think at that point he was frustrated yeah. with I officials, mean, and ironically, and I didn't realize this at the time. Did you realize that was his college teammate who he stole the ball from? I did only because I was I was watching the Bulls broadcast and they had mentioned it that a couple times. They're like, oh, a couple of Arizona teammates playing against each other. Dalton Terry, I think Dale is his and Terry, name. Yeah. Dalen Terry. Um, so Matherin steals the ball as Terry is trying to run out the clock, takes it in for a layup. Terry fouls him, um, and then Matherin goes to the line, and this is in front of the Bulls bench, like on that basket. And Nikola Vucevic, who's been in the league for quite some time, wasn't happy. Matherin was not about to back down. So Matherin literally talked throughout the two free throws to Vucevic. John and basically saying the game's not over. Pointing to the clock, yeah. like motioning up there, saying it's not over. Uh, and then finally Vucevic and him have a little embrace afterwards and, you know, put his arm around him like, hey, Rook, this is, you know, how things operate. But in typical Matherin fashion, he didn't – he was cordial – in that moment, but then straight to the locker room. He did not have time for anybody else. I think we saw last night, and we probably didn't need to see that, Mark, to know it, but we saw the wound tight. This is a – he's a very poor loser. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. I, mean, I got no issue with it. No. You probably want that guy on your team because it shows that he's going to go 100% till the end of the end of the game. But not a great game for him. 15 points, minus 18 in the plus oh, minus. Gosh. That was not good. He shot it terrible. He got to the foul line a lot, but what, 3 of 11? 3 of 11 in 27 minutes. 0 for 3 from beyond the arc. I mean, yeah, not a great day for him. Uh, Buddy Heald looked pretty impressive. He was Boy. dropping them from 3. Mark, in that third quarter, I'm thinking, do you call the Lakers now? And say, hey, are you guys watching Buddy? <laughs> make sure. Do you guys get Bally? Here, let, let me make sure you guys get Bally Sports Plus. Here's a free, well, yeah. free subscription for Here, you. Here's the promo code. Um, you need to turn on the game uh, because for how good Buddy Heald looked, I guess Miles Turner looked like a guy that hasn't played in 10 months. Yeah, that was, I mean, first game back, you're you're like, okay, might have a little rust, but I wasn't expecting him to be. A lot of rust is how I would Wasn't Wasn't expecting him to be as poor as he was. One of seven for Turner did have a couple of blocks in the second half, but. It's the roller coaster, I feel like, with him. You yeah, get one good game yeah. and then whoop, you can't ever you can't replicate. There's no consistency. And again, Mark, the defense was utterly horrific last night. Seventy six in the first half allowed. I, I'm not putting honestly that much of it on Turner. It is just amazing to me. And this goes back to Nate Bjorkren. Maybe the end of McMillan, but I feel like more Bjorkren, we saw it last year with Carlisle. The perimeter defense of this team, it's like they run to close out. They're so f- frantic with the closeout. They have no, like, base. They just get beat off the dribble immediately. And then it's it's like me playing pickup just screaming for help. Yeah, I mean. And no one is scrambling right. No, It's chaos after that. As soon as that first bowl beats them off the dribble, there is no chance that they properly rotate, help, 
etc. It definitely looks like there's no defensive setting. Like they're just who's got the ball? Everybody run that way and try to box them out. So I yeah, it's been an issue and it's been an issue over multiple coaches now. So I don't know what that says, but and again, it's so perimeter based for me. Like even when Turner was out, I mean, sure, the rim protection wasn't you know at the same level that it is when he's in there, but boy, I, I just. Is there a quick fix? Do you not close out as aggressively? Does that lead to more, you know, open shots, this and that? It's one of those things where it's it's a team that needs defensive help, but you also want to keep the offense going. So and there's only so many roster spots. So well, there's only so many guys you can play, right? You know, and I mean, there who's the best defensive player on the on the Pacers as the at this moment? I honestly, I don't know. I guess Aaron Neesmith, but. I don't know. A lot of times I'm like, just is he just a good-looking athlete that, you know, maybe doesn't have the polish that you would like? Again, Scott Agnes at 8:30. One thing I do want to ask Scott about: I'm not sure what is worse, the Pacers' perimeter defense or the early look at these city uniforms that we've seen. Oh God, that yeah. I, I was hoping that that was a fake photo when I saw it. I was like, that can't be real, can it? That can't be what they went with. Who do who? Sam Fritz, you're a big Jersey guy, I believe. Have you seen these? Yeah, I uh, I wanted to bring it up actually last week when I was on the show, but it's it, I hope it's a, a late or an early April Fool's Day prank, whatever the mm, time might be. This boyist is not. They're tanking on the floor, and I think they're tanking also in the Jersey department. That's yeah, how I mean, I like, would take the that. year off because they've had some good city jerseys, and I just feel like I don't know what that's supposed to be. You want I don't to, know um, what the look is, but it's not a good one. Mark or Sam, whoever's got access to the Twitter account, will you retweet those city uniforms just so people have an idea of what we're talking about here? I can get on right now, yeah. Um, Scott Agnes had a story about it, so we'll, we'll talk to Scott about that when he joins I mean, they look like they later. ran out of material is what it looks like. Like, all right, we're going to do this. It's kind of uh, lighter blue. Oh, wait, we ran out of material. Throw the uh, dark blue on there. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Nice rectangle. looks like an art project I had in third grade. And the stitch job is not great either. I mean, it just looks like, it looks very... It, like you gave a five-year-old, like a kindergartner, a pen and paper, and you're like, here, draw these jerseys that you'd like to see. And that's what they did. They went with, I like light blue, and I like dark blue, and let me throw some yellow in the middle. That's what that looks yeah, like. Yeah, nothing against the Dykedon artwork, but it looked like something I saw probably come out of your household. Yeah, no, probably. Addison's probably whipping no that up in kindergarten. No offense on that, by the no, way. No, not at all. She's a better drawer than I am. I would probably draw that more than she would. You know a guy who I thought was pretty good last night for Indiana, and this is now several games in a row? Jalen Smith. Like we're starting to see a little bit more, and again, him in that four position, not the five, I think is critical for him. That's what you told him when you re-signed him. They didn't do that early in the year. Uh, I, I, I like what I see. I think like big picture with, with the Pacers, and we'll have this conversation a lot in recapping games. And again, 124-109 last night. Indiana was down a million early. They actually had a chance to cut it to two late in the third quarter before uh, the Bulls veterans stepped up and and showed up um like i i kind of view this puzzle as the pacers need to find three big pieces to the puzzle you could argue they've got two of the three big in matherin and halliburton mm-hmm. you, I, I think you still got to find a third major frontline piece and again you got three draft picks in the first round next year we'll see what happens when you trade turner and or healed um, so that's where I think maybe that third piece could come. But then additionally, outside of those three big pieces, you need like three or four complementary pieces. And to me, Jalen Smith 
has shown signs where he can be one of those complimentary pieces. And then, again, who else? Can it be, does Neesmith show you something? Nemhard, you know, Isaiah Jackson. Again, you've got the draft picks. We'll see what happens with Turner and Heald. But Jalen Smith, I, I think pretty encouraging signs. 15-9 and nine last night, hit three threes in 29 minutes. It's important. If he's going to play the four mark, he's got to stretch the floor. Yeah, I mean, he's been imp- I, he's been very impressive so far. I, I agree with you that you need to get some kind of value from Turner and Heald. I don't know who, who at this point is getting you better value, though. Turner or Heald? Yeah, that, that that's a good question. I, like, has, any, has any team that's watched... Miles Turner lately, like, yeah, we need to go well, get him. Yeah, I mean, Turner's watching... got to prove himself in the next couple months. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a month-long process, couple-month process for Turner to prove himself. And I guess it's, what are you looking for? You know, if you're the Lakers, I think they look at it as they need shooting. So that would be more of a healed. If mm-hmm. you are a team that feels like you need more of a rim protector, you would side with Turner. Uh, but important for Turner, important for the Pacers that he's back on the floor. Again, really struggled last night. Um I guess expected rust from how much time he's missed, but he didn't look much different than the Turner we've seen. So, I'm, I mean, if you're dealing either of them to the Lakers, you better be holding the Lakers over the over the bridge and trying to get them for everything you can because I don't want to be taking over a Russell Westbrook contract given his current start to the season. And you would hope, Mark, that like as you get closer to the trade deadline in February, teams will be desperate. And I feel that way about the Colts leading into Tuesday. And again, that's something I want to talk about today, the NFL trade deadline is – as you get through this weekend's games, find the teams that feel like they are buying and they're desperate. In-season, teams panic. And I think find teams that maybe are in the hunt that weren't expecting to be. So maybe like, we weren't planning to be here. Or teams that feel like the window is shrinking. Yeah. And closing fast. Mm -hmm. And the Lakers obviously would be atop that list. Um, Again, Scott Agnes, 830, Ben Standig covering the Commanders at 9 Zach Kiefer rounds things out at 945. Um, boy, the Frank Reich vibe yesterday, Mark. I I felt like we were asking Frank Reich questions that we should be asking Jim Irsay. Like I asked him, why Nick Foles over Sam Ellinger, or excuse me, why Sam Ellinger over Nick Foles, mm-hmm. which again, I think to go back to your locker room question earlier, Mark, like that's got to be a question some of those guys in the locker room are asking. Wait, yeah. what, Nick why Foles, we isn't have, that why we got Nick Foles? Why do we have him here? For this? Um, you know, Frank's just like, uh, we're just doing this for the best of our best interest of the team. And it's like, deep down, that's not a normal Frank Reich answer. Deep down, when you ask him an offensive question, he is an expansive guy 99% of the time. And that, to me, was Frank Reich internally saying, Kevin Bowen, how do you want me to answer this? And, and and unfortunately, you have to ask him because he's the only guy speaking. Chris Ballard is not going to show up on the Colts radio show anytime soon. And Jim Irsay is only going to talk when it's an NFL owners' meetings or it's time to, you know, give away a trivia. He's the meat shield for the organization. He's got to answer all the questions. He's the, he's the face of the franchise at the moment. Meat shield for the organization. Mm-hmm. Now, if I were like Jake, Roger Goodell's the meat shield for the owners, he, yeah. he takes on all the brunt of the uh, criticism. If I were Jake right now, would I go, "Oh, Johnsonville brats"? That's <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, does he does he seem because you've been around him obviously his whole tenure? Does he seem more like beaten down already this season than he has before any other time? Yeah, I you know I think if Where he's he was, just like I don't know what the hell's going on I, anymore. I would say yes, but I would also 
add, Mark, like if you ever watch a Frank Reich press conference, it's not like you come away being like, man, he is ready. He is fired up and boom, he is ready to run through a brick wall today. Like Frank Reich is a subdued individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if there's any part of him that's just like, I know my fate. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. And we're going to play out these final 10 games. And unless Sam Ellinger leads us to a 9-1, and 8-2 and two record, I feel like the decision has already been made on it. Do you think that even if that happens, that would be that would determine his fate? Because I feel like if Sam Ellinger goes on this run where it's really good, I feel like Jim Mercer could easily say, well, you wanted to stick with Matt Ryan. That, you wanted to get Nick Foles. You weren't going to go to Sam yeah, Ellinger. That, that's an interesting point. And I think there's a bigger topic, Mark, we could talk about. I, I don't know if we'll get to it today, but like, I think it's a really good point that you bring up. The Ursay influence in this decision. Ursay meddled here. He, Without question. He meddled. And if you decide at the end of the year to fire Frank Reich, and let's say, for example, Sean Payton has interest in this job. And let's say Sean Payton has interest in Carolina's job. Again, just throwing out jobs here. Mm-hmm. Does Sean Payton sit down at the end of the year and say, well, I've seen Jim Ursay push Carson Wentz out the door and push Matt Ryan out the door, not allowing his head coach and GM to be the decision makers with those moves. Now, again, let's focus on that and not focus on, is Ursay making the right call? Because in my opinion, I, I'm fine with Matt Ryan being benched for Ellinger um, because I think you knew where this season was going with Ryan and that was not to where you wanted right. to. But does Sean Payton look at it and say, wait a minute, if I'm going to be the head coach, I want a ton of authority. I want to be the one making these decisions. I want to have as close to free reign as possible with personnel, playing time, those sorts of things. Is there any head coach candidate that sits there and says, screw that, if it's Colts or Panthers, I'm going with the Panthers because I don't think David Tepper is going to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair question. I mean, you've outsiders looking in you got to be like there's kind of it's kind of chaotic in Indianapolis like they don't have a set quarterback they don't have a franchise quarterback of the future they don't even have a young guy I mean you have Sam Ellinger but you don't know if he can play so they really don't have a quarterback on the roster that you can safely say in 2023 2024 going going forward is the guy that you can build off of and I know I saw an interview with Sean Payton I think it was a couple weeks ago and uh, they mentioned like hey are you interested in head coaching? He's like, yeah, I'm never closing the door on it, but I want to look for the right opportunity. And obviously, at the time, Mike McCarthy's name was coming up on the Cowboys hot seat and everything right, like that. Right. And uh, they said, like, what are you looking for? And you'd you know, have to trade for him, right? Right. Because the Saints got control. That's my understanding. They didn't mention that in the interview, but um, I think they still control his rights. They haven't they haven't relinquished them, so you'd have to figure out something there. But he also mentioned that if you know, hypothetically, whenever he's looking at a at a NFL head coaching job, I mean, he wants to have some kind of understanding that they have a quarterback in place. The Colts don't have that. Right. And so it, that's that would that would be a huge that's why Sean Payton of the Colts, it's nice in theory, but you have to imagine a guy like Sean Payton, he's not coming here to to rebuild a roster. He's coming here with a you know, he wants to be in the hunt for a championship right out of the gate, maybe add a few pieces in free agency or in trades, but he's not coming here with a full rebuild. He's not going a Rick Carlisle route where it's like, yep, tear it down, I'll be here, don't worry. He's coming to you know play for championships. And I guess the appeal to Carolina right now would be you would be picking much higher than where Indy is picking, mm-hmm. so that would have some appeal. Uh, some of the comments to the 
Pacers City Uni tweet, and thank you, Sam Fritz, for doing that. Uh, Jimmy says, looks like a quilt. Aaron says, bowling shoe ugly. That's pretty accurate. I mean, it looks like a bowling shoe with that stitch job. Matthew, what in the blue hell is this? Uh, Unironically, un- un- I really think that that is almost a tribute to the construction going on at Gainbridge Field. I've seen people tweet that. Is that true? I well, I don't know if it's intentional, but I, it definitely looks like just some construction a construction beam that you'd see, you know, somebody walking across back in the day. Yeah, I mean it looks like a book that I would read to Rosie or Max of like an excavator. Right. It 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 doesn't it's not Anything that would make you think it is inspired by either Pacers history, like we've seen with their throwback jerseys in the past, or Indianapolis with their IndyCar jerseys. I mean, throw the monument on there or something. Yeah, like the Hoosiers, Hickory stuff. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they literally like got to a meeting, like, all right, let's see those results for the uh, city jerseys, and the guy's like, oh crap, I forgot to make any. That homework last night, you know, like Jake scrambling, you know. Oh shoot, I forgot to get that done on time. That's what it looks like. I'm Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, Sam Fritz on a chilly start to the Thursday morning. I, it's reached the part of the year where I probably will go winter hat to start every show for the foreseeable I mean, I had, to, I had to thaw out the car this morning. That was Yeah, you're, you're going to be scraping. Yeah. I mean, I just sat there for 10 minutes. I'm like, come on, let's get going here. But I was like, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. Is there anything worse than that? And I will fully admit, and I'm ashamed to admit, I've I've done the little. Let's give me a little little patch and, oh, yeah. and drive in, and uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, it, I'm sorry for saying that. But. Like we, you know, we we're still we've moved, so we we're still unpacking things and stuff. I was like, I'm not going in the garage to grab the snow brush. I gra- you grab a credit card and you just scrape a little bit, and you're good to go. <laughs> hey, I don't use card. this credit card that much. Let's right. use this one. Yeah, exactly. Works like a charm. Mm-hmm. So there's well, a little ha- life hack for you. There goes my chip. <laughs> That's right. Life hack. Use a credit card if you don't have a snow brush handy. Uh, NFL trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. We're going to hit on that today. Some more Sam Ellinger thoughts on what he is going to bring. We'll uh, play some audio. And I thought a really interesting comment from Paris Campbell yesterday. Um, I get that maybe people don't really care about this. I thought Matt Ryan handled everything beyond professional status yesterday. He did not need to meet the media. Uh, He did not need to answer the questions like he did. He did all of that. Um, and I thought a really interesting comment from Paris Campbell, what Matt Ryan has meant to uh, a very nice start to this season for Campbell. So we'll do that as well. Chilly start to this Thursday. Kevin and Quarry, Mark Dykton in 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Yeah, I hope Ball State plays better perimeter defense this season than the Pacers last night. They give up 76 in the first half. The Chicago Bulls, 124-109 losers. Up there at the United Center, Miles Turner, season debut, one of seven from the floor, 0 of four from behind the arc. Looked like a guy that had not played in about 10 months. Buddy Heald, 24 and seven threes, good for his trade value. Jalen Smith, 15 and nine. Mark Benedict Matherin, uh, struggle from the floor, three of 11, did get to the foul line. 10 times he did have four assists, but efficiency-wise, a uh, bit of a rough night for the Yeah, rookie. rough night for the rookie. That's all right, though. Those are going to happen. I got to give it to the Pacers. At least they fought back because I was looking at that deficit for a while. I'm like, are the Bulls going to crack 100 before the, the halftime? Because that'd be free Big Macs for the United Center audience. And <laughs> they got them a little bit later in the, the show, but... I mean, yeah, it was looking pretty ugly. They fought back a little bit and got down to single digits, which was impressive. They almost cut it to two at one yeah, point. Yeah, so... Uh, another tough one for the Pacers. They've still got three games left on the road trip. Washington on Friday, their lone 
nationally televised primetime okay. game. Why in the world are the Pacers and the Wizards on ESPN? Well, didn't they flex? Isn't that the thing? It was like a flex out. Isn't that what happened? Or am I like am mis- I misremembering? Did they like that? press the wrong button there? Like <laughs> they meant to put a different game on ESPN? But yeah, we thought like that was Pacers said, Commanders on a Friday night. Whoops. Pacers Wizards. Colts Commanders. ESPN this Friday. Two games with the Nets, and that will round out this five-game road trip. Mark Colts practice yesterday. Again, the injury report pretty good. Still no quitty pay, so I think he's the one that you know is iffy again for this week. Shaquille Leonard was a full participant in practice. The big news, though, at West 56 yesterday was hearing from the quarterbacks. Matt Ryan yesterday on being benched for the first time in his NFL life. Individually and personally disappointed. Um, you know, as as a player, as a competitor, you want to be out there. You want to want to go, and so. Um, it's part of uh, of the deal in this league. You got to produce, and, and you got to go out there and play. And, and um, you know, frustrated that we weren't able to do that uh, in the first seven games. But um, you know, you move forward. You know, life in in this league is is week to week, and the production has to be there. So obviously disappointed personally, but um, here for the team. It was awkward moment of like you're at Matt Ryan's locker, and you're chatting with him. He's the third QB now. And then two minutes later, you slide over to Sam Ellinger's locker, and now he's a starter. And it's like all of a sudden, everyone is around Sam Ellinger. He's QB1. Here was Sam Ellinger yesterday on this golden opportunity. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, You know, I think, as I've told you guys, you know, I'm always preparing to be the starter. And uh, regardless of when that opportunity was going to come, I was going to be ready and do what I could to be prepared. And um, that's alleviated a lot of the stress of – I mean, I can't imagine if I weren't preparing the way that I was, and it's like, hey, you're up. Um, and that's the thing about this business. So I'm um, staying on top of it. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement for the opportunity um, and just going to, you know, take it one day at a time. So, I mean, different different talking points from Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger. Again, Matt Ryan saying all the right things. Sam Ellinger sounding confident, definitely easy to root for. It'll be really interesting to see how this Colts game plan is schemed towards him on Sunday. Bootlegs, get him out of the pocket. Yeah, yeah, I mean – Kind of ju- go the Justin Fields route. Get him out of the pocket, let him roll out some more, have some designed runs for him, do stuff that we haven't seen a Colts offense do. I mean, how many times has, have the Colts had a mobile quarterback? Right. Not very often. Mike Chappell had this stat yesterday, kind of a wild stat. You've got to go back to 1988 to find the last time a Colts quarterback won his first career start. Um, Jake probably is screaming on a Barcelona tour bus right now. Chris Chandler! And people are like, what are you talking about? 1988. That was a wild stat that Chap threw out there. Colts favored by three heading into Sunday. Uh, tonight, Mark, Tampa and Baltimore, a one-point favorite. Tom Brady, did I see that right? He's never lost three in a row. Is that correct? That sounds about right. Never lost three in a row and never fallen two games below 500 in his career. Wow. That's wild. I mean, even their their loss to the Panthers, was, I think they said the fifth time in his career that he, they scored three points or less with him on the roster, and it was only two times in the well, he's with the Patriots, and all three most recently were with the Bucks. Maybe my favorite prop for tonight, which will be higher, Lamar Jackson's rushing yards or Tom Brady's age? Oh, I would hammer the over on Lamar Jackson there. Minus 250, by the way. For over 45? Uh, rushing yards, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Still hammer it? Yeah, I think I saw. I think the one I saw was like over sixty or over sixty-two and a half. Yeah, I so take that. Mi- minus two. Bucks defense is a mess at the great. moment as well. So should be a fun one though. Bucks be hate a- it. 
Should be a good Thursday night, or hopefully. They are favored by one. All right, we come back here on Kevin Aquari again. Mark Dykton in for Jake. Sam Fritz producing for us. NFL trade deadline comes up on Tuesday. I believe the Colts should have a very specific goal in mind. We'll chat about that next here on a chilly start to this Thursday morning. Mark, I don't know if we've seen it a little bit more than we have in years past, but I would say Christian McCaffrey and Robert Quinn and even James Robinson – Let's qualify as three relatively, obviously Christian McCaffrey, huge name. The other two decently big names uh, already traded before the NFL trade deadline next Tuesday. I feel like that's a little unusual for the NFL. I, normally you, the NFL, I think, is quieter compared to the other leagues. Yeah, I feel like the NFL is usually yeah around the deadline. Dead on the trade deadline. You're always like, come on! They always have these like two-hour specials and then like nothing happens or like a third-string guard gets traded for or something like that. So, yeah, some big names already making moves, and uh, you got to see what the Pacers are going to do now. But, yeah, the most recent one, Chicago Bears traded Robert Quinn to the Philadelphia Eagles for a 2023 fourth-round pick. So uh, I know we talked in the break and yesterday and everything like that. We're trying to figure out who on the Colts could be some trade bait uh, and what they could get in return. Again, the trade deadline is Tuesday at 4 o'clock, so here's the last weekend of games to evaluate it. And trades, like I said, the NFL are rare. The Colts in-season trades are rare. Um, Not to make people crash on 465 this morning, but the last in-season trade for the Colts would be the one and only Trent Richardson. Um, So, yeah, that kind of speaks for itself. I'm like a big believer in this, Mark. NFL teams, you get to this point of the season – and you got to put yourself in one of two groups. And I realize that there's like different levels to the two groups, but you got to sit there and say, are we a buyer or are we a seller? And if you're going to buy, I think the belief is, and let's like say San Francisco, the belief is we feel like if we make this move, we are a legit Super Bowl contender. Philadelphia obviously did that yesterday with Robert Quinn. Seller, by no means am I expecting the Colts to do this, but I think if you are Chris Ballard, you have got to sit there and say, we need ammo for the 2023 draft. Yep. Carolina's in the top five. Detroit's in the top five. Houston's in the top five. They all could go quarterbacks. You've got to be able to have ammo to trade up if you want one of those quarterbacks, or at the very least, you just get additional draft picks because it's not like the holes are just quarterback. You could probably use a left tackle, maybe, if you don't think Bernard Ryman's it. You could probably use an additional pass catcher. Um, is Yanni Kangakwe all of a sudden the future of pass rusher? Eh, Doesn't look like it. Don't know about that. So, um, even if you don't you know, put together some monumental trade, you still obviously would benefit from having that additional trade capital. So, I, I kind of look at it like this. If Matt Ryan is healthy... There is no reason why the Colts should sit there and say, we need both Matt Ryan and Nick Foles on our roster the rest of the season. There is zero need. Now, obviously, what are you going to get for them? Probably minimal. But if a team that is in the hunt, if Jimmy Garoppolo were to tear his ACL this weekend, you, as Chris Ballard, need to call up John Lynch and say, we've got Nick Foles, we've got Matt Ryan, they interest you at all. Mm Mm-hmm. And if John Lynch says, yep, I'll take one of them for a fifth-round pick, you do it. And honestly, I would look even deeper into the roster at other guys in that. And I asked Frank this yesterday, and I knew Frank wasn't going to really say anything, but I thought it was a question that deserved to be asked of, 
Mark, like, were there any guys in that locker room that came up to Frank in the last few days and said, hey, man, what are we doing here? Like, a lot of the veteran guys after If I'm Stephon Gilmore, yeah. you know, I, I came here thinking Super Bowl, and all of a sudden, it's turning to a guy that's never thrown a pass in the NFL, and if there are a, there's a cornerback-hungry team out there that's sitting, saying, hey, um, are you guys doing a fire sale? Is Gilmore available? We'll give you a third-round pick for Gilmore. This one for Mr. Gilmore. I don't have that spot ready, but so I got Sam locked in a little audio <laughs> audio project That's right fine. now. Um, that was really good, by the way. Thank you, um, Alex or Alec. Uh, poor, poor Alex Pierce. Need to Sam Ellinger just needs to throw a few more jump balls in that in that direction. I worry about some downfield arm strength with Ellinger, but just throw it up to fourteen. Uh, seriously, Mark Gilmore. I mean, if you can get that back for him, he's a thirty-two-year-old corner. Um, I get that it has like a very tanking, selling mindset, but I choose to think of you need to be realistic with where you're at right now. And it is vitally important that you go into next year's draft not sitting there saying, we can't do this because we don't have the ammunition to do it. Completely agree. You want to have that ability to be able to entertain anything and everything. And we should remind people of, not only do the Colts not have a third-round pick this year due to the Nick uh, Cross trade from last year, the Carson Wentz trade is looking like that has gone from what you thought was going to be a second-rounder to a third-rounder. Mm-hmm. So you are getting Washington's third-rounder in all likelihood. You don't have your own. So I think it's important to do that. Again, I'm not expecting the Colts to do this, but I think it is very, very important that you take that approach you are a willing listener and even an active caller in explaining to people we could be open for business. I mean, I feel like they've they kind of made that decision on their own just by the quarterback switch. Like, I know Matt Ryan's injured, but the fact that you went from Ryan to Ellinger instead of Ryan to Foles, you're kind of saying, like, 2022 is kind of a lost cause at this point. You're 1-3-1 and one in the division. Like, even if you, you're second place in the AFC South, but, I mean, are we making any, you know, bones about that they're going to make any kind of run in the AFC South. So I feel like you need to do exactly what you said. Tear the band-aid off. If you're tearing it off, tear it completely off. Don't leave it dangling. You've already made the switch at quarterback. Stockpile some draft picks. Get what you can for some veterans that could make some impacts on other teams. If you're a seller, teams will be calling. You've got some p- solid names on there. Like you said, Stephon Gilmore. Maybe Yannick Ngakwe goes to like his ninth team in three And Ngakwe years. in a contract year, so I think that would be enticing right. to some teams. Um, Will Haskett asking, what's a realistic call for Shaq Leonard? I, boy, that's so murky with his injury situation. I I don't know. Uh, for some reason, like I'm, I'm in the second or third round pick area with that one. But again, his health, he's probably the most difficult one to gauge I don't think because of his health. And you're absorbing a pretty big contract right. if you're That's why I think another teams, will, team. teams will be shying away from that one and, and Quentin Nelson. But I don't think there are any untouchables on this team no, at all. No, Not Co- at all. Corey asked if me someone that, calls for we, Jonathan Taylor, you say, yeah, I'm listening. Like You listen to every single offer that's out there. Corey goes, Pittman, Pierce, and Taylor are about the only few I can think of as untradeable. I I disagree. I no one is untouchable. Like nope. and part of this is kind of how I would want to operate Mark like in that role of you're GM of the Bears, I'm GM of the Colts and you're calling about Jonathan Taylor or 
Pittman, because I, in my opinion, I think Pittman's got more future value than than Taylor does. If we're talking five, you know, ten years down the road, something like that. I'm at least going to listen because I want to get intel. I want to know who you think on your yeah. roster is untouchable and like how you view my guy. Mm-hmm. Even if deep down I know I'm not going to trade him, I I just want intel on that. Um, so I I would no one would be untouchable. You know, a, a guy that I would not have thought. I would even say this about Mark at this point of the season, but I would listen, and I think he still has a bright future, and I could see reasons why you definitely want to keep him. But what about Julian Blackman? Mm-hmm. With what Rodney Thomas has shown you? I mean, I like him a lot. I I, I think he, is a, he could be a foundational piece. Again, I, I like Blackman, but again, these are some of the questions I think you have to ask yourself. To your earlier point about the message you sent with Ellinger, in Jim Ursay's eyes, the Ellinger move is an improvement in the short term. I know some people will laugh at that, but that's how Ursay's viewing it. So I don't think internally Ursay, Ballard, Reich, whatever that combination is sitting there saying, sell, sell, sell. Like I I want to make that very clear. Right. I'm speaking from my opinion on this in that if you look at towards next year in the draft, you look at where the quarterback-hungry teams are currently slotted, it would be extremely beneficial for you to try and add an additional pick here in the next few days. I just feel like if the Colts had gotten off to a better start and Matt Ryan gets banged up, they would be going to Nick Foles right now instead of Sam Ellinger. If they weren't 1-3-1 and one in the division, if they weren't 3-3-1 three, three and one overall, if they were showing some kind of improvement, the only, you know. but I feel like the fact that they went to Sam Ellinger is kind of, yes, it might have been a Jim Mercy, in Jim Mercy's mind it might be an improvement, but from the outside looking in, it looks like you're like, okay, we did what we could in 2022. We got to start looking at 2023. Let's see what the young guy can do. Maybe he's someone that can stick around after this season. Maybe he's not. Maybe, but we're going to be all cap, all all chips in on a quarterback in 2023. All let's at least chips. Let's in. at least see. Let's at least see if Ellinger can be, you know, at least a solid backup. Maybe, maybe he surprises and he can be a starter. I don't think that's the case, but we'll see what happens. But I think if you're going to this move, from the outside looking in, it looks like you're a seller in 2022 and you're looking ahead to 2023. I could be wrong. I know they think a lot differently on West 56th Street than a lot of people do about their roster, about their status in the NFL. But it looks like they are sellers in my eyes. And for that reason alone, you should be a seller. You should be having no one untouchable on the roster. And you should be trying to stockpile draft picks and get really ready for 2023. You might have to eat some... Salary cap hits and right, everything like that. Right. You're just gonna have to swallow that. Sorry, you're just gonna have to do it. But if you want to improve for the long term, you have to start ripping the band aid completely off and start focusing on draft picks and whatnot going forward. Jeff, we'll get your call after the break. Again, we're talking a little Colts trade deadline coming up here. The NFL trade deadline is Tuesday. Curious your guys' thoughts at K Bowen ten seventy at Mark D one oh seven five and the phone lines three one seven two three nine ten. 70. A lot of numbers you just threw their way. I know. Yeah, that's, I feel like we're in an algebra tutor session with Jake here. Uh, we'll continue this conversation coming up, 8 o'clock hour. Talk a little bit more about Sam Ellinger's comments. Um, and I thought Paris Campbell had some um, really candid comments yesterday related to Matt Ryan and what he's meant to him. We'll play that audio here coming up in a little bit. Uh, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, Sam Fritz on a Thursday. Jake has landed safely in Europe. He sent Mark and I a couple pictures. A selfie, right? Yeah, that was a selfie with him and Shannon. I think on a 
double decker bus? Was that what that was? Did that would you it looked like it was elevated? Yeah. Looked like a gorgeous day in Barcelona. A little plane shot from Jake. He I'm guessing he didn't sleep. I felt like he was texting us the the whole flight. Yeah, seemed like it. I was like, well, what's the time difference now? What I should be sleeping? He kept on texting us. I was like, gosh, well, is he doing the Russell Wilson high knees on the flight here? Um, so Jake Let's is- ride, Denver. Let's ride. <laughs> that, that gif on Twitter yesterday is incredible. Uh, Jake is in uh, Barcelona and Florence through Wednesday. So it'll be myself and Mark Dykton and Sam Fritz will be running the show for us. Scott Agnes at the bottom of the hour. Uh, the Pacers couldn't guard anyone last night. Uh, they made a comeback, but lose to the Bulls. Miles Turner debut. Very rusty for Miles Turner with that. Nine o'clock hour. Ben Standig will get a commander's side of things. And then Zach Kiefer will round out the show. We're talking NFL trade deadline right now, coming up on Tuesday. Again, just to kind of summarize, I don't believe the Colts will be entertaining much, but, and by no means am I saying <laughs> sell it all, blow it all up, but I think if you can. Uh, trade an expiring contract, trade an older guy that you know is not part of your core for the next you know, three to five years and get an additional draft pick kind of late day two, maybe early day three. I think that could help you out next April. Uh, Jeff wanted to join the conversation. Jeff, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, just wanted to ask a question uh, uh, in regards to Kevin's comment earlier about um, the draft and, uh, and the trade deadline. Uh, I can understand, Kevin, you uh, wanting to stockpile draft picks, and I think that's priority one to move up in the draft and grab quarterback uh, next year, maybe, right? But in the interim, I was wondering what your thoughts were on maybe doing something as far as, like, taking a guy like maybe Mo Alec Cox or Nick Cross and trying to attack another area like the line or somewhere else in the interim to try to take care of one of those things right now. That's interesting. Um, appreciate the call, Jeff. Yeah, Doug, I know, was asking the YouTube chat, you know, any talk of Colts being buyers of the deadline, like, you know, trying to get a right guard, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, yeah, that that is something that I probably haven't given as much thought to. And to Jeff's point, and, and he said this, you know, I'm probably more thinking additional picks in April. But, yeah, if you have a deeper position on your roster, Mark, and if you can upgrade on the O-line, it's something I would definitely look into. Yeah. What's your deepest position on the roster, though? Great. That's a great question. I mean, he brings up Mo Alley-Cox. You know, as gosh, one you target, seen enough? One target in the last three games yeah. for Mo. I would say linebacker. Mm-hmm. And, again, I know this is juicy, and if Shaquille Leonard could like this comment I'm about to make, he would do it. But, like, there would reason, you know, Leonard's health it will be the biggest hurdle in any of this, but there would be reasons to move Leonard in that Bobby O'Karake and EJ Speed have shown you something. They're in contract years. Um, yes, losing Leonard, losing a healthy Leonard would create the turnover void that is still there, so that question would be there. But um, you're moving a guy who is dealing with some health issues, and it's a big contract. And it's a position that I don't think you should value as much as you do. Granted, if I think that, probably some other NFL teams think that, so they might be more hesitant. But That's I think the, those are the areas you got to look at, Mark. And I don't know, maybe Bobby Okereke or EJ Speed, on the reverse of it, maybe they fall into that. Maybe the Colts sit there and say, we don't have the room to re-sign those guys. We're keeping Leonard, so maybe you do move one of them. Yeah, I mean, the biggest detriments for Shaq Leonard are health, and money. Well, that's kind of two big things when you play football. 
So I could see why that would be a turnoff for a lot of teams. They're like, well, we like them, but we don't like them in this current state, and we don't like that contract that we'd have to take on if uh, if we took on his uh, thing. Here's one. I got an inter- I saw an interesting tweet I retweeted yesterday. I wanted to get your thoughts on this one. How many of these Colts free agents do you even want back? And there's a list. And it's Yannick Ngakwe, Matt Pryor, Brandon Faison, Tyquan Lewis, Ashton Doolin, Rodney McLeod, Ben Banigou, Dennis Kelly, Paris Campbell, Matt Hop. Matt, ha- what's his name? Hawk. Hawk. Yeah, I, it I always confuses me every time I see it. It's kind of like it. his performance. Bobby O'Karake and Chase McLaughlin. Boy, it's a group mark that entering the year, I didn't think anybody was like a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, Ngakwe would show you something. Like, we're, we're going to get to the end of the year with him, Mark, and he's going to have like eight or nine sacks. I mean, what's he got? I think he's got close to four. Mm-hmm. But it's just, where are the pressures? Like, consistent pressures. Well, I feel like it's just one sack and there's no other pressure throughout the game. I mean, right now, out of that group, uh, I would say Campbell. Campbell and Lewis. Campbell's at least showing you something. Like, there's at least something where you're like, okay, like, we kind of we kind of were writing Paris Campbell off for obvious reasons because he's been injured and this hasn't shown much. He's actually finally showing you something. So it might have been like one of those late, you know, late bursts of talent or whatever. So now you're finally seeing that happen. But everybody else, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a who's who. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if I want any of those guys back at the moment. You're hoping Ngakwe would kind of take the pressure off of DeForest Buckner and Quiddy Pay, and it's been not that at all. I mean, I there's, s- there's times when I'm watching the game, like, is he playing? Is he dressed right. today? Like, I haven't even seen him. I would say none of those guys, though, even if you were to bring any of them back, qualify as, like, top 10, top 15 most important players. No, but I think there's... The, and, the, and I guess you can look tweet, at it good and bad. I feel like the tweet is saying, like, Look at how many players are on the roster right now that you probably wouldn't bring back anyway. That's even more depth that you have to fill, you know, down the line if you don't bring these guys back. So, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of holes, and it's a lot of holes at some pretty important positions. So, uh, by no means are we saying blow it, blow it all up, because I mean, you can't do that anyway at the trade deadline. But, I mean, they didn't make some changes. They need, they, they need to change their way of thinking about things and where they, their status in the NFL is. And hopefully they'll do that before Tuesday's trade deadline. We'll, we'll see what they do there. Ray, you want to see the Colts do anything before the trade deadline? Hey, K, K Born, um, I'm going to always be a fan of, of yours and the um and the um Instagram lives. I hope you bring it back. I've been, <laughs> I've been wanting you to bring it back for over what? It's been about two years. Yeah, bro. the halftime Instagram <laughs> lives, boy. I haven't I, I haven't done that in a while. Those those were entertaining. Yeah, I, I miss those, man. I miss hopping on there at halftime and, and seeing those, man. <laughs> <laughs> I should try and uh, dial those back up. Uh, you want to see anything happen deadline-wise? Um, I don't want to see anything happen until about Monday. Um, I want to give him a chance, man, see, okay. see what he can do with this roster first. I think before we – not necessarily blow it up, but – before any moves are made, I think we need to give this roster a chance because I think the 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 quarterback play was, was the biggest issue, of course, along with the old line. But I think we need to see see how it looks first before we make any significant moves. Yeah, I, and I I understand there's a section of the fan base, Mark, and thank you, Ray, for that. I I appreciate it. That is with Ray. Like they do, they think like Jim Mercer is thinking right now. And that in the short term, if Sam Ellinger is not turning the ball over like a machine like Matt Ryan was, and if he can just manage it, that the Colts can still 
be around the hunt in a very mediocre to bad division. And if you do, I'm super glass half full with this thought, but if you look at Tennessee's schedule, there are road trips to Philly, to Lambeau, to Arrowhead. I think they're at the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of minds on that schedule, and I'm of the belief that I don't think Tennessee is very good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Again, we always fall back on the division that, you know, the Colts are in one of the weakest divisions in the in the entire NFL. The Titans do have a tough, tough schedule. Bengals, like you said, Bengals, Eagles, Packers, Chiefs, Chargers, Cowboys. I mean, they're all on the slate still for them, and they've only played two division games. So they could easily fall back in the pack even more. And the Colts, if they finally get a heater or they start, you know, putting some string and some wins together with Ellinger under center, then you're talking a little bit different. So again, I, again, we're not talking about blowing it all the way up. But if there's veteran guys on there that you're clearly like, these are guys that you know, we we're not going to have them around and, three to five years from now. You got to start at least right. thinking for the future. At least at least listen. You don't have to make the moves. Right. No one's holding you, you know, gun to your head and saying pull the trigger now or whatever. You can listen to offers and see what they are. And if you think they're fair, think about it. And again, I'm not saying blow it up. Right. And, and I know. Like a lot of people, are like you, you, you sell, sell, sell. No, no, no. If you can sell a piece and gain a draft pick back, I think that's important. And I know it's a harsh reality to sit there and have internally, but if you're at West 56 right now, I'm a firm believer that you have got to be in a room and say, Are we one piece away from being a legit contender? That's the question. And I would say that's the question for any NFL team. That's what you have to ask yourself. And I know that that is a bit of a step back mindset. And if the answer is no, then you're willing to move a piece. But to the point of expired contracts of a Yannick Ngakwe or the age and Stefan Gilmore, those would be two guys that I think, and quarterback wise, like what is the need? Again, I'm not acting like you get more than like a fifth, maybe a fourth back for either of these quarterbacks. But if some team suffers a big-time quarterback injury this weekend, Nick Foles or Matt Ryan? Yeah. If someone calls you and say, what What are you wanting for yes. Kenny Moore? Well, are you- yeah. L- l- I guess l- l- let me start with Ryan or Foles, and then and th- right. th- then I'll get to Kenny. Yeah. If someone is calling me and saying, hey, we're in a desperate quarterback situation, I know that you know maybe those veterans aren't going to be the answer, but we would they be available? Mm-hmm. Hell yes. Would be the response. We'll give you a sixth round pick. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Moore. Yeah, he he'd be on the list as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's if it gonna... means more Isaiah Rogers on the field. Sure. Yeah. Again, you're listening. You don't have to pull the trigger on anything, right. but you're listening to these offers. Uh, Aaron is up next. Aaron, you want to talk about uh, the big guy? Oh yes. Good morning, fellas. Hey, real quick. I heard Jay Query almost wasn't allowed on the plane. Why? <laughs> Because they said no sharp objects or analogies. <laughs> <laughs> Is that on the TSA list? I haven't, I haven't flown in a while. Oh, uh, yeah, none of his uh, boring analogies. But, hey, to the other uh, say, I'm having trouble a little bit with this here situation between him and Daniel Snyder. I've always said the NFL was run by 32 mafia bosses, you know, and it's all about the Benjamins with these fellas. Now, are they more upset about what he did as a person, or is it the fact that him as a person can't raise money or manipulate money out of the local government to build him a new stadium? Yeah, that's because they're not losing. They're losing their part. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not saying Daniel Snyder is not a pig. I'm just saying it's about money with these guys as well. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot, honestly, there that Aaron is correct on. I, I, I do think – I'd like to think the root of where Jim Mercer was coming from in the owners' meetings last week, Mark, was because of, to use Aaron's phrase, Daniel Snyder is a pig and has allowed um, the sexual misconduct and the sexual harassment, I guess, accusation against him um, for so long. I, I, I'd like to think that's the root of it. But Aaron, I think, is right in that the financial just swings and misses, I guess, that Daniel Snyder has had in Washington in that area in securing a new stadium and just creating revenue for a brand that I feel like a lot of NFL owners think it's a layup. Oh, you own Washington? That should be an easy top 10 revenue team. And they haven't been that. So I, I do think that plays... Plays into part of it. I think yeah. every every time a new like stadium rendering comes out for like the Titans or the Bills or whatever, like Dan Snyder's just like punching the air. It's like, how come I can't get that? And again, no local financial support nope. seems to be a huge, huge reason why. I would I think it's kind of three prong, I guess, to go back to Aaron's point. Again, I would hope and, and I do think that the root of it comes from just Jim Mercer being the father of three women and the grand or the grandfather of three girl or seven girls um and saying there is absolutely no place for that sort of behavior in a workplace i think that's the root of it and then i think kind of underneath that one is the financials that aaron speaks to the other i think ursay was extremely offended by the mafia comment of he thinks all these nfl owners just deep down hate each other Jim Irsay is a huge, huge steward of the league, the history of the league, Art Rooney and George Hallis, blah, 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 at my wedding and all this. Like, And I know a lot of people laugh at that, but in Irsay's eyes, Daniel Snyder was attacking the history of the NFL, the ownership of the NFL. And Irsay, I think, views this as a time of like, I need to be the front-facing voice. I need to carry the flag for the NFL, all the shield. And some people can laugh and say it's total BS and all that, but I'm just trying to explain where I think Ursa's coming right. from. Yeah, they think it's like a fraternity, basically. So you're seeing someone kind of slander your brothers, and so you get a little offended and everything like that. And, yeah, I just don't think he's a very popular guy in among the owners, among fans, all that. He's just a problematic guy. He's got a lot of skeletons in the closet. Apparently he has dirt on guys that if they ever tried to out him, he would reveal all that. I mean, that would be interesting, too, just to see, you know, how the owners would clap back at him. How about this regard. for Sunday? Each team has to play their owner for a series in each half. What side of the ball are they playing? Well, I, that's part of the strategy. There you go. Well, where are you putting Jim Mercer? Well, I probably can't kick it worse than... Oh, no, I, I need offense or defense. Oh, well, then they took a position. I thought strategy. You might want to try to pin him down inside the 10. Or so say Matt, as a gunner, maybe? No, Matt. Well, maybe. Could you? I don't know. A free safety? Well, that'd be. Force Taylor Heineke to try to go over the top? Daniel Snyder on a jet sweep? I mean, you're t- that sounds fun. If you really want to pump up the ratings on this 425 Why kick. Not? Part of the it. entertainment aspect. So that uh, Dan Snyder, where'd you like him to line up? Sam, am I <laughs> somewhere he could get pancaked? Can you imagine just him getting? Honestly, I think Commanders fans would hope that EJ Speed would knock him into the, you know, section one fifteen or whatever's right behind one of the benches. Sam, am I seeing this? Mark wants to wants the Colts to be buyers. Is that right? 
That is correct, yeah. Mark, you want to see them buy? Yeah, Kevin, let me just throw this idea out there, and this is kind of really off the wall, but what if, uh, you know, the Colts do take it on the chin on Sunday to the Commanders? Wouldn't it send a really good, strong message to the team if they called Pittsburgh and said, hey, uh, what would it take to get Mitch Trubisky here? And that's just an example of basically a better, you know, an upgrade at quarterback. Is he an upgrade? Well, like, like I said, he's just an example. It could be Gardner Minshew. It could be, you know, a, a variety of different backups. Um, I guess, and thank you, Mark, for the call. This is how I look at quarterback. I'd say if those are your buying options, I would stay. I would start yeah, selling. You want to shop elsewhere, right? Yeah. Um, this is how I kind of look at it of the retreads of a Trubisky, and Minshew's had some moments, and hell, most of his moments I feel like have been against the Colts. But I know what the end story is with either of those two. Like, yeah. I know what's the end result's going to be. I, I've it's a different plot, but I know the ending to the book. Well, that was I would thought. rather see Ellinger. He's been in your system right. for a year and a half. He's supposedly made some strides from a throwing motion standpoint. I think so many times teams draft quarterbacks and they're so hesitant to give them the opportunity. The Colts are giving him an opportunity. They are going to see and finally get an answer on him. So, I Trubisky, no. I mean, he's learning a new system. He'd have no idea. Same thing with Minshew. Ellinger's been in your system. You've liked him. You feel like he's made some strides. Get a 10-game evaluation on him. And then at the end of the year, in all likelihood, you've got to make a big move in the draft. Well, before the Colts landed on Matt Ryan in the offseason, we were looking at guys like Mitch Trubisky and Gardner Minshew as possible guys to come in here and take the reins. And I was like, well, if you're going that route, you might as well just see what you have in Sam Ellinger. If those are your options, you already know what those guys are. Sam Ellinger's an unknown commodity that you have on your roster. You should see what you have in him. Thankfully, they went the route and they ended up with Matt Ryan, so they didn't have to go with Mitch Trubisky or Gardner Minshew because I feel like that would have already gone the way it has gone in Pittsburgh and everything. So you've got Sam Ellinger now. You've got a 10-game sample size to see what he can do. And, you know, you'll evaluate after that. You'll see what you got. You're probably going to hit a quarterback in the offseason in uh, in the draft, and um, you'll go from there. But Mitch Trubisky, Gardner Minshew, that does nothing for me. That doesn't help me no. this year. That doesn't help me going forward. You know what those guys are. They're perennial They're just backups. They're younger retreads. Yeah, the perennial backups at this point. It it may just be my extreme bias coming from Philadelphia here, but I, I don't see why. And I, Minshew is the backup to Jalen Hurts right now, right? I believe so, yes. But I'm, I'm talking Nick Foles, who we have, and, you know, I fully understand that Foles is a quarterback that most people in Indianapolis don't seem excited to see, but coming from Philadelphia, like, Foles could be our Lance Stevenson this year. Ooh. We, we, we bring him in, we start playing him, and, hey, if he's doing well, we're going to have fun with it. Isn't we, that Ellinger? Well, but Ellinger's kind of this experiment that we're working on as a, a, a fresh new quarterback, and I'm fine with us giving Ellinger the start this Sunday. Like, it's worth, a, it's worth looking into. But once that's over, or if we feel like Ellinger's not really worth putting in this season while we still try and rework this team, let's put Foles in. We're going to have fun with it at the very least. I mean, I was on the Fun Foles. with Foles behind this offensive line, yeah, I was Sam say, I, was, I was on the Foles train with the Bears. And he can't move, I, right? It didn't, it didn't seem like he had any Philly magic left in him. Now, that could say a lot about the Bears, but, I mean, that offensive line for the Colts isn't much better than what the Bears were trotting out last year when... When Foles was there, so I'd rather. I don't know how much fun it would be. Given this offensive line, I'd rather see youth with legs Mm -hmm. than old with no legs. 
Uh, let's get to one more call again. Scott Agnes going to join us here in about less than 10 minutes uh, to talk the Pacers from last night. Uh, Albert, is that right, Sam? He's been hanging in for a while, right? Albert, what's up? Um, not much. You kind of stole a little wind out of my shadows because before the break, you all were sounding like you were wanting to blow this all up. You were going to find a magic skills you know, in these draft picks you got back. And I was just going to point out that a lot of draft picks are 50-50 on whether they hit or not. Oh, after for sure. Break, mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, after the break, I kind of agree with your comments. I mean, if you get somebody who calls up and offers you something and you can get a couple picks that you can try to fit in, I would totally agree with. But the idea of blowing it up to get a magic pill in the draft just seems, right. like I said, it's like a different conversation before the break than after. Yeah, uh, 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 apologies on that, Albert, if I wasn't clear before the break. Um but, it, again, no one is going to blow it up, first of all, and I know that's not realistic, but basically, in summary, no one's untouchable. Listen, 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 and if you find expiring, aging, whatever, that you can move and get a decent draft pick back. And to Albert's point, yes, draft picks, you're still throwing a dart at the board. Right. But, Mark, you know this full well. The NFL, when trading draft picks, those are so valuable to teams. Like, people view draft picks as gold when you can trade them in that, oh, my gosh, the unknown? That's enticing. That's exciting to teams. So if you're able to get one and then down the road potentially trade for one, and how I look at it is, you know, if you're adding a third, if you're adding a fourth, if you're adding a fifth, and let's say you need to trade – a first, a second, and next year's first to move up to get a quarterback. Well, now you can come back on day two, later in day two, or early in day three, and you still have some additional picks in you know the ranges of a Julian Blackman, a Naheem Hines, a Bobby O'Karake, that maybe you can find some additional depth, a potential starter down the road with those picks. That's, that's kind of obvious. I mean, kind of look at how the Eagles just did it. They just traded a fourth-round pick for Robert Quinn, and according to Adam Schefter, the Eagles still are scheduled to have six picks despite the acquisitions of Robert Quinn, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis. The Eagles still have six draft picks in the 2023 draft, including two in the first round, theirs and the Saints. So the Eagles have done a good job about manipulating draft picks, being able to get guys that they can get in win-now mode, like A.J. Brown, Robert Quinn, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and they also have the draft stock to be able to stockpile more picks in the future. So I think that's what you're looking at. You're not tearing it down. You're not just selling off everybody for sixth-round picks. You're trying to see who has value, especially on expiring older veterans, and then go from there. See what you got. And then you can build. You can move up. You can draft. You can you know, go backwards in the draft. You can go forwards. You can do a lot of things if you have more draft picks. So Gives you flexibility. The more you can stockpile, yep. how many darts do you want to throw at the board? Don't you want a lot? It's a 50-50 shot. You want as many darts that you can throw at the board as possible going forward in drafts. How great would this be to be an Eagles fan right now? You're undefeated, and you currently have the fourth overall pick in the draft, thanks to the Saints. If you're a Phillies fan, you're feeling pretty good, too. Right. So next week, it'll be Phillies hosting World Series games, potentially on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Games 3, 4, 5, right? Yep. And then they will host Thursday night football. Ironically enough, they're playing Houston on Thursday night football. So you could have... Games three, four, five, then Thursday night football with your undefeated Eagles, assuming they beat the Steelers this weekend, and then that leads into the weekend. God forbid. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, I'm praying for all those polls that are in 
Philadelphia, they have to grease up to avoid people climbing on them. But that will be pure <laughs> chaos in the next week and a half. Gosh, that Philly is... Philly cheesesteaks and greased up I poles. I was going to say, that is absolutely glorious with that. All right, Scott Agnes going to join us in a few. Let's hit a morning check now. Rough night for the Pacers. Last night they fall 124-109 to against the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. Zach Levine, 28 points. DeMar DeRozan, 17 points. Buddy Heald had a very good night, 24 points for him. And Tyrese Halliburton, a double-double, 18 points, 11 assists. Not a great night for Benedict Matherin. Um, he had a weird thing at the end of the game where uh, the Bulls are just trying to run out the clock. He stole the ball, tried to du- tried to <laughs> dunk it. Bulls didn't take too kindly to it. Well, uh, with his college teammate. Yeah, with his tal- – Dale and Terry – I was like, what the hell are you doing? We're up 17 points. And uh, apparently Matherin said, hey, game's not over. And I would argue that it was, in fact, yeah, over. Matherin was pissed. He was pissed. Nikola Vucevic did not like it. They got into it for a brief minute there before cooler heads prevailed. So Pacers fall to 1-4. and four. They've still got three games left on the road trip. They've got a nationally televised game on Friday night against the Washington Wizards. Then two away games against the Brooklyn Nets, which I've not seen too often where you have like back-to-back road games right. against the same opponent. That concludes the road trip. And tomorrow night is ESPN, correct? Correct. Yep. Yep. So uh, Pacers, Wizards on ESPN. You are hearing that correctly, folks. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is that like ESPN the Ocho? Like, where's that going to yeah. be? Nope. It's on the on the mothership. I thought Jalen Smith really good last night. He's had an encouraging couple of games here now that he's slotted into that full role. Miles Turner's debut last night, one of seven. Uh, 0 for 4. I guess good news is he didn't sprain an ankle in warm-ups. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, other good games, uh, Bucks beat the Nets. That was a fun one to watch. Bucks still undefeated on the season. Cavs topped the Magic. Hawks over the Pistons. Knicks beat the Hornets in overtime 134 to 131. That was a high-scoring affair. And, uh, yeah, that was, there were some fun games around the NBA last night. Tonight, Thursday night football, the Bucks favored by one over the Ravens. They are trying to avoid, or Tom Brady, I should say, is trying to avoid the first three-game losing streak of his career. And tonight starts, is it 27 or 28? I thought you said 27 to start the show. 27 straight days of football on our television sets. That would be college or professional. Um, if Jake were here, he'd try to read Ball State's schedule to you because the action, right? They'll be involved with a lot of that on the Tuesday and Wednesday mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Mercy's tweet, beginning tomorrow, October 27th, on your viewing device, 27 straight days of football, human civilization has hereby <laughs> reached its zenith. That was just a great a great quote by Jim Mercy. Again, I think Mercy at safety for a series on Sunday. Man. Daniel Snyder, you know, is a little scat back. How many NFL owners? If, if don't if, the Commanders have a lot of those guys like Curtis Samuel and yeah? If Daniel Snyder was McKissick. on the field taking a snap, how many owners would be like let me tag in, please? Let me oh, just 100%. lay one in on him. No, oh, yeah. Robert Kraft is you know channeling his inner yeah. Football Jerry days. Jones, let me get in there. Yeah, uh huh. One thousand percent. The Colts they had practice yesterday. Pretty good injury report. No quitty pay. Um, so it looks like his absence will continue with that ankle injury. I'm kind of confused why he didn't go on injury reserve at this point. I feel like it'll be four missed games for him. Shaquille Leonard, again practicing. That's four days in a row after his concussion and broken nose. So it looks like Shaq could be making his second season debut, if you will, coming up this Sunday. Obviously the big news yesterday, Sam Ellinger, Matt Ryan, both of them met the media. Here was Ellinger yesterday and talking about what he has learned from Nick Foles and Matt Ryan. 
I've learned a ton. Um, you know, I told you guys it's an education that I can't pay for. Um, and the way to prepare like a pro, obviously Matt has done it for so long. Um, and I've been able to watch him and see his preparation. And then obviously Nick's done it as well. And he's prepared as a backup. And he knows what it's like to have those emotions, to be called up. And so to have those two guys in my corner as they've been vocally supportive, um, it's unbelievable. Slamming Sammy Ellinger. Easy, easy to root for. I thought Matt Ryan handled things great yesterday. Yeah, he's a pro's pro, as you expect. I asked him any trade requests. He said it's something he's not thought about as of now. Uh, So we'll see if that changes. But I remember Eric Ebron at one point during the season just peacing out, saying, see ya. Matt Ryan did not need to meet the media yesterday, so kudos to him for being a stand-up guy. Will he be on the sidelines? I know. I was going to ask Frank that tomorrow. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'll be curious to see. Third quarterback, I'm trying to think. I, I believe that well, they dress Foles all three. has been the third yeah. QB. He's been there, and I think when Ellinger was the third QB. No, Ryan is not dressing. Yeah. He will be yeah, inactive. Being... He was on the injury report, obviously, as it did not practice. They're going to put him on IR? Yesterday. It doesn't sound like it for now. Again, we'll wait and see. Saturday is typically when you see kind of some late-week moves, but as of now, nothing on that front. All right, Scott Agnes, our horrific performance by the Pacers defensively last night. We'll chat with Scott about that and get his thoughts on those city uniforms. We'll do that next year. Decided to lead off the show. I'm not sure what's worse, the look of the Pacers city uniforms of their perimeter defense last night in Chicago, and frankly, their perimeter defense all season long. To chat more about that, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files, I believe the man that broke Miles Turner into the starting lineup last night, he joins us now. Scott, I feel like this perimeter D has been an issue, honestly, was it like the end of the McMillan era, start of the Bjorkren era? I feel like this has gone on now for several years. It's it's like, oh, everything will be fine once Turner gets on the floor. The issues are much, much more than that. Yeah, completely. Um, the, the main point I go back to, honestly, is since Dan Burke was not brought back. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. He's been staple as a defensive coordinator for uh, – worked in on staff for almost 23 years, I want to say, and uh, things – Changed quite a bit, and it's not just that as well. By the way, when did but Burke leave again? Was it took a significant downturn? Was, sorry to interrupt, but when did Burke leave? Was it the last year with McMillan? Bjorkren did not bring him back. No, uh, no it was the start of the Bjorkren era. Okay, so, so he's been gone be the last three. two years. Gotcha. Yeah, I think a lot of it too is personnel driven. I mean, or you know, part of it's got to be personnel driven. But then last night, I just feel like. They're closing out so aggressively. The first guy gets beat off the dribble, and then it's a mad scramble, and no one has any idea what to do after that. Yeah, no, 100%. It starts with individuals, and kind of the phrase they keep saying is guarding their yard. Guys are getting beat. You know, help sides are struggling. And, you know, then the thing that's baffling is sometimes they'll have guys in the right area, and they just won't do maybe perhaps what they're supposed to do or, you know, whatever. And it's like, so frustrating to see. I don't know. There's often a lot lack of communication, and while you acknowledge some of that, just because you know a handful of them are still rookies and a handful of them haven't played together, and, and all of that, still some of it's if you're a basketball player, like what are we doing here? So yeah, that's absolutely been concerning because it starts out on the perimeter because Miles is not a savior. He's going to help in many ways. Um, I mean, first game back and he has four blocks and I thought he was just kind of okay. And that's fine too, because he hadn't played in 10 months. 
So it's going to take him at least several weeks to find his game rhythm and game timing. But that's been the number one thing, KB, through the first uh, week here, is the defense hasn't gotten any better and it might be worse. Rough night defensively for the Pacers. Rough night for rookie Benedict Matherin. Uh, not just not a great performance. And then he had the weird uh, late game mindset about taking the ball and trying to score late. What were your thoughts on Matherin's late game? Did he have game? the over on his own points? <laughs> was that what he was doing there? What were your thoughts on no. his uh, his decision to try to steal the ball and score with like seven seconds left in the 17-point deficit? Guys, that is a perfect encapsulation of what Benedict is about. That That's him, and that's him at practice. There's been times when, you know, in, in drills, as it's been explained by the coaches, is like they'll, they'll lose. And Benedict needs to go to the training room to cool down because he's, he's just furious. It's like, Benedict, this is just a practice, and that's just one drill. There'll be another or one scrimmage. Like, he is an ultimate competitor more than any I've been around. And so I don't think that was for show. I don't think he was trying to be cute. He certainly wasn't looking for numbers. He, that, that's literally his mindset, is everything's a competition, not just that game, not just that quarter. He wanted to win that that one play. And the twist in all of that that I found interesting is the guy he stole it from, his teammate last year at Arizona, Dalen Terry, who, who was here also for a pre, pre-draft workout and, and hyped up Matherin and what Pacer fans can, ex- can expect. He was basically saying, hey, Benedict's the real deal. There was nothing fake about that. Um, but, uh, by the way, I want to give Vucevic credit. I thought he handled that tremendously well because, yeah, that's awkward. Like, yeah, agreed. The game's over. Like, what are you doing? And so it didn't look like he yelled or, you know, anything like that. But he's like, hey, Rook, like, what are you – no, we don't do that. This is the men's league here. And, and then uh, after the game, he put his arm around him, and it looked like he explained a little bit more. Then they then they separated in a good way, and I thought that was handled very well by a veteran. Is that something Rick Carlisle loves to see out of a rookie like that, or is that something he's going to pull him to the side and say, "Hey, let's let's not do that going forward"? I would guess in this instance, he says, "Yeah, let's not do this," um, mainly because sometimes that'll lead to something even more, right? Like I think there was a sequence with Lance and the Raptors, I want to say, where maybe he dunked in the final seconds or something or stole it and two guys surrounded him. It's just, it's one of those, and I hate this, it's especially in baseball, kind of the unwritten rules. Like you just let the team dribble it out. You don't need to steal it. But I think Rick will say, Hey, that that's Benedict. And I don't want to change that, but I hope he kind of maybe understands that in that scenario, we really don't need that. But there's no way they're getting mad about that, I don't think. Yeah, I, I would think you would rather pull the reins on that than like want the guy to have more of that in him. That's that's kind of how I view things with completely. Mather. And that's why that's that's why I chuckle a little bit, KB, when people talk about tanking and all that. And first of all, players don't do that. But second of all, that's the, one of the big things that the front office prioritized this off season was different characteristics. One of which being guys that just love the game, not just talented, not just athletic, guys that truly love to hoop, that they have to tell them to leave the gym. That's Buddy Heald, that's Tyrese. Matherin's absolutely one of those guys. And you saw last night, you know, the game was over, and in his mind he was just trying to get to the next play. Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, I would think individually, I mean, obviously, you know, Matherin could fall into this category, but, you know, I had 
very high expectations for him. Um, I would say individually, the guy that I've been most impressed by, and in particular, it's these last three games since he's moved from that five position they had him in early to the four. I really like what I've seen from Jalen Smith. Yeah, he, I think he's he's done well, and it's what's interesting to me is you mentioned that point of him and playing more of that four spot here in recent games as he grew up and always was playing the five. Even when he came here last year, it was like, yeah, I can play the four, but I've always played the five. Well, when he played the five here, you know, in those couple games, it, it just did not go over well. And I think a lot of that, for one, is who he was playing with. I think it was also in camp in all of the off season he had focused on that new role. And so, right, you're kind of pigeonholing yourself a little bit and what you expect and what you trained for and you have that mindset. And then if that shifts, that can throw you completely off, especially when, you know, this is only, what, year three for him in the league. Um, I thought all the bigs have had bright spots here early on in the season at different times, very rarely together. Um, but Isaiah has had some bright moments. Goga, if he plays 20 minutes a game, he's he's productive and usually plays well. Um, he just needs consistent minutes and, and kind of find a game rhythm out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of good showings from Jalen especially like the previous game where I think he had 17 in the first half, then it kind of disappeared a little bit, and you want more of that consistency. Buddy Heald was a name you brought up earlier. He had a pretty good game last night. He always seems to be a guy that gets brought up on the trade block, like everybody's just like, oh, he's not going to be here for very long. Uh, But do you see he could be a long-term guy on the Pacers, or is this just like a layover until his next destination? Yeah, I think he's more, you know, in the lounge right now, kind of, enjoying himself and making sure, you know, he's in between destinations, right? Um, I I think the interesting thing was, for example... Jake Query analogy in there somewhere. (laughs) i got to love the airport lounges. But uh, my whole thing with all that, especially compounded by the the Lakers' loss last night on national TV, I mean, yeah, that's the obvious connection, obvious potential destination when... He knocks down, what, like seven threes, and I think the Lakers go like eight for 24 as a team. I mean, that would <laughs> that's pretty obvious right now there. Um, now, one, you can't have enough shooters. He's really well-liked and, and everything. It's just the bit, one of the biggest concerns or issues, I think, through the first week of the season, guys, is the minutes. It's, you're not getting – where are you getting all the minutes from? Like, Nemhard doesn't get a ton of minutes. Uh, last night he's been productive and you could go down the list yeah um, gogo was out of the rotation last night didn't even get in yeah and and so sooner than later probably in a couple months you need to shore that up a little bit i think and and free up a couple roster spots so that you can start prioritizing even more what you want but there's no hurry for that nothing would be expected anytime soon but while while buddy it kind of encompasses what they want as a player and being a shooter uh, I think it's more likely than not that he doesn't finish the season here. Scott, I want to wrap up with a couple of kind of off-the-court stuff, uh, off-the-court things. First off, um, any background with these city jerseys? Uh, personally, I think they look heinous. Um, I think the Pacers are tanking, I guess, in the jersey creation. and um, yeah, I, I don't understand them at all. Can you provide a little clarity with any? Yeah, a little bit right now that I can reveal, and it's that it was very complicated and came together kind of very last minute. Um, during these situations, uh, the team and and they work in conjunction with Nike, and uh, from what I heard, 
Nike wanted something even worse than this. And so, Boy, what does so that look like? Kind of, yeah, we've got to see know. a picture of that. I don't know, but this is kind of maybe a compromise. It kind of sounds like here, um, but it's something nobody's happy with that I've heard from over there as well. So don't think they're very proud of these or or content with this uh, as well. Um, maybe take a year off with that one. There's nothing good about them. There, there's this. There's the story behind them that's meant well. But I don't think it ended up very well in the presentation. Unfortunately, I think they only wear them for five games. Maybe just go shirts and skins on, on, <laughs> on the night that the city jerseys uh, are supposed to be in rotation. I want to encourage everyone, Scott, to read um, what you had up on Fieldhouse Files about just kind of the background on what the Pacers did for Benedict Matherin, bringing his mom and his sister in town uh, to make that uh, Haitian meal. Um, really well done by you on that. The video is awesome. The Pacers sent out a video. I, retweeted a couple days ago uh but that was a pretty cool backstory and you know i know it's a little thing scott but like these are some of the things you've got to do when you think about building a relationship with a player you know making them feel at home those sorts of things that at some point you hope that benedict matherin is a star player for you and when this time to sign a big contract comes he thinks back to those moments and you know wants to be here long term that's exactly right you're trying to make daily kind of deposits right for him for all your main players and trying to do what you can each day to make them feel most at home most comfortable most uh able to you know be productive on the practice court the game court whatever and i thought this was just a cool moment the his sister his mom were coming in town for for opening night and he he always talks they were saying about the haitian food and so good you'll never believe how good it is that type of thing and so they said hey you know what let's get them in here and let's have them surprise him with a home-cooked meal, which he hasn't had in four years, which just baffled me. But when you add it up, he went to the NBA Academy down in uh, Mexico. Then he spent a couple of years at the University of Arizona. During the draft process, you have no time that's free whatsoever and very little with your family, the summer league, the, all that stuff. Um, so essentially combined with they, – they worked in conjunction with two of the full-time chefs they have here. And it worked out very nicely. Scott, last one from me. Uh, Next time the Pacers get on the court is against the Wizards on Friday night. That game, their lone national broadcast uh, on the across the country. How did how did they decide that Pacers Wizards (laughs) was something they wanted a piece of? Mark, I got nothing. I don't know. Gosh, I I felt bad. I, I was after the Pacers game. I had the Lakers Nuggets game on, and I felt bad. Dave Pash kept having to tease it, and I'm like, ooh, like. No better options out there. I don't. I don't know. A Friday night, maybe they. Yeah, I, I got nothing for you. But it, it, I will say it is nice. There is a, a small group of the fan base who aren't going to watch or can't watch Pacer games, maybe unless it's part of the cable package. So this is one chance where yeah. those, especially across the nation, can watch the Pacers at least once, and it's early into the season. Well, ESPN action for the Pacers. Again, the Wizards, and then two with the Nets to close out this five-game road trip. Scott, safe travels. Thank you for the time this morning. And as always, Fieldhouse Files, a must-stop for Pacers fans. I appreciate that, guys. Thanks. That's Scott Agnes right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rick Carlisle's birthday today. You guys care to guess the age for 64? Rick Carlisle? 62. Oh, gosh. Do we bookend it? 63, folks. Look at you two. So Price is Right rules. I win, though, right? Yeah, I went over.
That is accurate. I'm officially the new producer of the show. <laughs> right. I'll slide over here for a while. I think would Jake be rejoicing? By the way, did Jake just text us? Yeah, he he texts us. He's like, I gotta try this this snack. He says it's a candy bar, but it looks like a donut. Yeah, I see donut. Are and he just says to... what the blank is what it says on the box. And we can probably say it's the big blank, right? Yeah, the big blank. Yeah, that one. I'm like, well, you gotta try it, but it looks like looks like he's it looks, looks like donuts. It's some like Mart right now or something. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. He's very intrigued by it. Well, maybe I, he'll bring us some. As I said, that's an automatic buy in my opinion. You asked him if he had PEDs that he was carrying with him last night. I know, I, and I once I said it out loud, I, I could quickly realize that could be interpreted in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, then he sh- I, then he I, I then met, he I then, met sleepy sleeping aid. Some others meant. <laughs> You know. Well, then he sent the picture the of the blue. cannabis dispensary that was at the Chicago <laughs> O'Hare Airport. So, I mean, he, we, were, we were circling the drain at that point. Jake's in Europe. We're in studio. Colts conversation the rest of the way. Kevin and Query with Mark Dykton. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Mark, I oftentimes think about other NFL teams and how much drama surrounds them. Uh-huh. I mean, the Colts have had a good amount. Revolving door. The most important position in sports. And then I think to myself, imagine covering the Commanders. I mean, that's 365 days oh. of drama. Boy. Was our caller, was it Jim on the pop quiz yesterday who says he starts drinking at 930 in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what I would do if I covered the Commanders. Jim, I think, had some bong rips in him, too. Yeah, there was a variety of things I thought Jim had going on yesterday. Um, nothing like that to lead into our next guest, who we don't <laughs> even know, but we're very grateful that he's making time for us on this Thursday morning. He is Ben Standig. He covers the Commanders for the Athletic. Ben, good morning, and I'll add you to my prayer list. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's some days you just look around and go, "What is this? what is happening here?" It's never it's never ending. And uh, yeah, you guys are uh, the Colts have been part of the fun for sure this season. <laughs> Part of the fun. That's one way to put it. Um, obviously, there's a ton of avenues that we can hit on with you, and hopefully we'll get to all of them. Um, let's start, I guess, with Carson Wentz. Um, he's on injured reserve, uh, out for four games at least. Basically, if it gets to a fifth game, that's what Colts fans care about with that 70% threshold and playing time. In your opinion, if Carson Wentz is healthy after the end of these four games on IR, do you think Washington would go back to him? If you made me give a yes or no answer, I would say yes, but I definitely don't think it's definitive. I mean, they could be in sort of three different areas by the time he comes back. One, they could, uh, you know, keep winning with Taylor Heineke. It's not the craziest thing. He Heineke, uh, Washington was seven and eight, and Heineke's starts last year. He obviously got a win last week over Green Bay. He's a solid backup who can play when needed. And if they go, you know, two and two, three and one, and are look like they're playing better than they had been, I could see Heineke staying. On the other hand, you know, there's Taylor Heineke is a backup, and they could easily bottom out and go the other way. Uh, you know, there are some tough games on this slate. This is a road game this week. And if they were to bottom out, well, then maybe you, you have to look at it and think, well, where are we going with this season? And then maybe at that point you don't go back to Carson Wentz. You either – you go to maybe the rookie Sam Howe or, and, and keep that, you know, 70% threshold in mind. Or you could just – be kind of nowhere, just in the middle still. And, you know, Ron Rivera could decide, hey, we've made this investment in Carson Wentz. We're going to see this through. We have him under contract for next year if we want. So it could go in a few different ways. 
I, I, I wouldn't say, though, it's a lock that he would be back under center uh, when he comes back. Has the organization liked what they've seen from Wentz to this point before the injury? Like, or are they having buyer's remorse at any point? Are they kind of like, what do we get ourselves into? I don't think it's what do we get ourselves into. I mean, he's been – look, he's made some spectacular plays, and then he's made some plays that are just the ultimate head scratchers. And obviously, you know, <laughs> your, your fan base experienced all of this last year. And, you fans know, are nodding right now? Yeah, yeah. The scouting report I got from different people who, who covered the team and around the team couldn't have been more spot on. But, you know, he, he's been a pretty good uh, guy, as far as I can tell, with, with, with the lot in the locker room, with the coaches, with us. And, you know, look, we've seen this offseason how almost all of the big moves made for quarterbacks didn't work out, or at least haven't to this point. And I don't know where Washington would have gone. Sure, they gave up draft picks. And, and they took on the money, and that's not necessarily great. But, you know, in Ron Rivera's third year, they, they felt they needed to make a bold move. I don't think that's wrong. I just don't know what, you know, none of these moves really have kind of panned out. So I don't think they have buyer's remorse. I just think they wonder if, um, you know, where is this going? Is this actually going to work out or not? And it's hard right now to imagine that anybody's thinking it's definitively going to. Ben Standig of The Athletic for the Washington Commanders. Join us on Kevin and Query on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, you mentioned uh, How real was that Jimmy G report that they said that the once was basically the fallback plan uh, from the, the commanders getting uh, Jimmy G, but they saw that he had to get shoulder surgery, so they ended up going with Carson Wentz instead. Is that, how real is that? Um, I mean, look, it was pretty apparent that they were starting from the top going down, meaning, hey, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers? Is Russell Wilson available? They they did make an attempt to to get Russell Wilson definitively. So you know I don't necessarily know that they had Jimmy G ahead of Carson Wentz. I think last year I probably would have said Jimmy G would be considering where the Forty ers had landed. And obviously both of those quarterbacks are kind of on the same tier. But you know Garoppolo wasn't coming with near the baggage that Wentz was after what what happened with Philadelphia and then in Indianapolis. So I, I could imagine that that Garoppolo was was there, but I don't know that, you know, it was like some definitive fallback. I think they were really exploring all options, including the draft. And once Garoppolo had the surgery, you know, that, that had to have realistically taken him off the board. So, you know, Wentz is still sitting there. Um, and that's what they did. But I don't think it was like, while well, they, you know, just had to settle for Wentz. I just think he was one of the guys that they were considering and ultimately the one they felt, uh, you know, made the most sense. Again, Ben Standig is with us, covers the commanders for the Athletic, and he's with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Ben, shifting gears, um, we've talked a lot about Jim Mercer's comments over the last week. I'm curious how those were received with commanders fans and what they thought of a very public uh, move by Jim Mercer. Right. Well, you know how normally, like, if you hear anything from the other team, especially one, as it turned out, that it would be, they'd be playing pretty soon – you know, immediately the fan base is just irate, go away, be quiet. Like, oh, no, here I think Jim Irsay could run for mayor of D.C. and he might win. <laughs> uh, you know, it is, Dan Snyder is about as unpopular as you could get. And, you know, the question that's been hanging over this team for, you know, some time now is, you know, what's it ever going to take to get rid of him? And in terms of this last couple of years, this investigations into the organization – you know, people get excited when Congress gets involved or when the NFL is, is is having people look into the commanders. But ultimately, this comes down to will the other owners vote them out? You need 24 owners 
to say, you know, you've got to sell for something to happen. And nobody has really believed that that was the case. I still don't know if I completely believe that that's the case. But having another owner come out the way Ursay did, say there was, quote, merit, end quote, to removing Snyder from, from office has really given people some hope. Again, I don't necessarily know that it's going to go anywhere, but you know, this is probably the most hope people have had in, in some time, thanks to Kimber saying just you know random comments. Will Daniel Snyder be at the game on Sunday? He has been at every game this year. We have not seen him be really visible, other than the da- the game at Dallas when he went on the field pregame and had, took his picture with Jerry Jones, which was considered by for some people to be sort of a sign of to the other owners like, hey, you know. I've got this guy's backing, so you know, you know, so back off me. But um, uh, so he'll probably be there. I don't know that we'll see him. It would be amazing. I don't know if Urse is a uh, pregame field kind of an owner or not, but it would be amazing if somehow these two guys cross paths after what just happened. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so from the outside looking in, is Dan Snyder as big of a jerk as everybody portrays him as? I don't know if you have any have had any had any run-ins with him or not, but we've always heard that he's just a jerk. He's not great to fans in general. Is he? Does he live up to that moniker? or Is that kind of overplayed? Well, uh, certainly, the, tons and tons of anecdotal evidence suggests that. Whether it's you know direct comments from people who've, who've worked with him, have been around him, interact with him, he's, but unlike Ursay, we never see or hear from him. Um, I have I've covered the team. Well, I've had different iterations of covering the team, but kind of, you know, mostly full-time since about 2015. I have been in the same room with him twice, I think. Um, Once at Ron Rivera's introductory press conference and then one other time. I mean, he just does not. Gosh, that's wild. He he just does not make himself available um, at all. Like, you'll see him, like, you know, at, at, at a game. Like, he'll be in the press box or things like that. But in terms of, like, a function... I, I've never spoken to him, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's just not around. So I, I, every indication, based on every, you know, so many reports and 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 uh, insider info, suggests that he's not the he's not he's not everybody's favorite person. But I can't say that's based on my own interactions because there just haven't been any. Again, Ben Standig is with us. He covers the Commanders for the Athletic. And as we shift gears again to Sunday. Um, Terry McLaurin is a name known here in Indianapolis, the 2013 Mr. Football. He's had a lot of big-time moments inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. You know, here at Lucas Oil, Ben, there's pictures of four Colts on the side of the building. You've got DeForest Buckner and um, Shaquille Leonard and Quentin Nelson and Jonathan Taylor. I'm guessing that if the same thing was done in D.C., that Terry McLaurin would be kind of one of those pillar guys, side of the building guys for what he's meant to that franchise in his, you know, still early NFL career? Absolutely. Uh, not only is he arguably their best player, but he's definitely the fan favorite. And, you know, I, I was doing some uh, research for a story that went up today on The Athletic about Terry's high school days, and I talked to his former quarterback and, uh, you know, read, read some stories. And it's just amazing how the same – the same tales keep getting told. How teammates, we had Taylor Heineke just yesterday tell us, you know, that he, Terry's one of those guys, he's so great as a teammate, you never want to let him down. He makes the big plays. And his high school quarterback, you know, independently said almost all of the same things. And, and you know, he is the one guy, like, when, when he was 
he was up for an extension this offseason. He uh, skipped OTAs because the, the talks were kind of going nowhere, and fans were just getting absolutely irate to the point where, you know, it almost felt like we were talking about Jerry Rice, not Terry McLaurin, but he is a heck of a player, and he is a heck of a role model for the, for this uh, team. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, he would be the guy on the side of the building without question. He's Ben Standig, senior writer for The Athletic for the Washington Commanders. He's joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We were talking about it a little earlier, Ben, NFL trade deadline coming up quickly. We're debating, you know, will the Colts be buyers, sellers, who would be on the block if that was the case? Do you think the Commanders would be buyers or sellers, or are they just going to stand pat? Well, I can't imagine that they would be buyers. Uh, I, I think winning last week over Green Bay to put themselves in that three and four glob in the NFC probably takes them off the seller's market. The one caveat would be cornerback William Jackson. Uh, he was their big free agent signing last year, three years, $40 million. It has not worked out though at all. He was effectively benched uh, a couple of games ago, but while, but simultaneously is dealing with a back injury. They have been steadier when he's not been on the field, so it wouldn't stun me if he got moved for kind of anything if another team was willing to take on the remainder of his contract. Um, Other than that, I mean, there's interest from other teams in defensive tackle Deron Payne, but if Washington has any hopes of, you know, continuing, um, you know, to try to make the playoffs, and last year they went from being two and six to six and six. The year before they went from one and five to seven and nine and winning a terrible NFC East. So that's their recent history would tell me that they they'll believe that they can rally and therefore probably do nothing would be my ultimate guess. Ben looking at Sunday, uh, what should Colts fans, I guess, most fear in Washington and what would be the area of weakness in attacking the commanders? Yeah, I mean, Washington's defense, which was really maligned last year after a really disappointing season, it started off terrible the first two weeks, has really picked it up over the last uh, five games. They were in that stretch, rank among the league leaders in numerous defensive categories, particularly on the ground, because you have those defensive tackles and Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen in the middle clogging things up. So, you know, obviously Sam Ellinger is making his first start and, uh, you know, if that pass and the Colts offensive line is a bit suspect to say. So um, I think Washington's defensive line could really be the dominant force in this game um, to take advantage of, you know, Washington's offensive line has its own problems. Uh, they have been kind of a mess this season. Last week, they allowed the most quarterback pressure in a game this year. And like Taylor Heineke's mobility allows him to escape, just like the Colts are obviously hoping is going to happen with Ellinger. But he's also prone to making mistakes. He threw a pick six last week and easily could have probably thrown three or four interceptions in the first half before he settled down and had a pretty effective second half. So, you know, I think both offensive lines are probably the the places to watch and, you know, see if the defenses can, you know, overpower them and and lead their sides to the win. So Connor Rice is who you caught up with in uh, in that piece. My wife actually works with Connor. Good dude. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, look at that. Terry yeah, McLaurin's yeah. high school quarterback, I, I, for those that are unfamiliar with who the hell I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. He uh, helped fill me in on the legend of Terry McLaurin at the first play of the 2012 uh, Class A uh, state championship game. They connect on a 79-yard touchdown pass, uh, and that uh, McLaurin also in the game had a had a 41-yard touchdown run. He set a 
uh, the, the, the 79-yard pass remains the state record in that class for the longest play. He, McLaurin also set the punt return record for the longest return in that game. So, uh, you know, that was the first of many performances that, uh, you know, just kind of blew minds with, with Terry McLaurin. Yeah, it'd be a big moment for him on Sunday back inside of that building. Ben, great work. Uh, we're thinking about you, okay? And uh, we'll see you up in the press box on Sunday. Feel free to send a flask if you want. I appreciate it. <laughs> ben Standig right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. God, you imagine? I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, that has oh. to be just constant. Like, you're like, what am I doing? What's going on here? Unbelievable. Um, I mean, it's on the field. It's off the field. Right. It's just drama constantly. And it's usually not, not positive news for the most part. When you got drama at the top, it's probably going to seep throughout your organization, and I think we've seen that with the commanders. I mentioned this earlier, um, and I don't know. There's probably some people, Mark, that don't care about this at all. They're like, oh, Matt Ryan's making a ton of money. He threw a bunch of picks. He threw a bunch of fumbles. Whoop-de-doo that he met the media yesterday. I, I was really impressed by how Matt Ryan handled everything. I mean, as a competitor, you're benched for the first time in your NFL career. Um, I think a big reason why he's been benched is the lack of support around him, and yet you didn't hear one ounce of that criticism from him yesterday. And I wanted to play this Paris Campbell clip that uh, Matt Taylor and Jeffrey Gorman had Paris Campbell uh, on the Colts Daily Update last night, which you hear on our airwaves. And I wanted to replay this from Campbell, who has certainly had his best stretch of his NFL career um, and I think just goes to show you kind of what the arrival of Matt Ryan has met to Paris Campbell. So, again, here was Paris Campbell last night with Matt Taylor and Jeffrey Gorman. Look, man, um, and Matt knows this because I've, I've told him this before, but um, what he's done for me um, mm-hmm. just throughout camp, throughout the preseason in these first seven weeks, like that that dude has made my confidence go through the roof. Is that right? Straight up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm forever grateful for what he's done for me. Um, I know he'll continue to be in my corner. He's told me that, and I'm continuing to be in his corner as well. Like, what Matt Ryan had did, has done for me mm-hmm. is, is unspeakable, man. Like, I, I really can't put words to it because he, he from, from day one, like, when we first met and we got out on the field at Grand Park and was throwing, like, right. he, he believed in me. He, he trusted in me. And, um, you know, as a guy who has battled so much, like, you don't, like, other than your family, outside of your family, like, no one's coming up to you like, oh, yeah, you know, I believe me. Like, sure. you don't get that a lot. Um and you know I, I ain't trying to get all emotional or nothing, but like, no, it's like true. that 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 meant a lot Heck to me. Yeah. That meant yeah. a lot to me. And for him to be 14 year vet, obviously future Hall of Famer, like for him to to you know say those things and do, do what he did for me, like that meant a lot, and it carried me a long way. Just want to share that again. Last night, Paris Campbell with Matt Taylor and Jeffrey Gorman on what Matt Ryan has meant to him. And those are, I mean, that's very real from Paris Campbell, a guy who has struggled with injuries and in production. You get a 14 year vet that leans on you and trusts you that's got to mean a lot to him and you hope that when you're seeing these strides that he's made this season that might be a big part of what Matt Ryan's brought to the table so you don't want to see that any regression happen now that Sam Ellinger is taking right. over you hope that he can be building off of these performances and the fact that Sam Ellinger is under center instead of Matt Ryan you hope that development continues to go forward and Mark we hit on this a little bit yesterday but just to reiterate um, outside of like a Jelani Woods or a Kylan Granson Pretty much everybody else Sam Ellinger is going to be on the field with Sunday, he has not thrown a pass to even in a preseason game. When you're talking about Pittman and Pierce and Campbell and Mo Alley-Cox and Jonathan Taylor and those guys. And up until last week, you know, Ellinger wasn't even running the Colts offense in practice. I mean, he was your scout team 
quarterback. And back at camp, I mean, he was splitting third-team reps at times with Jack Cohn. So that that's where I think you see the biggest jump. I don't think Ellen, Ellinger is just going to piss down his leg. I I, I don't. Um, but I think where I have the biggest question is totally new personnel, and now he's being game-planned against. And that arm, we can get more into this maybe tomorrow, Mark, but like you hear Sam Ellinger talk about how he's changed his throwing motion since last year. It sounds like Bill Nye the Science Guy. Like he a great is show. great show. I love it. Is he still around or he's I, still around? Okay. I think he was at U Indy not too long ago. Really? I got a notification. I think it's Steve Irwin, maybe, is who I uh, Yeah, that, that was missed. Yeah. Um It was like it's quite the ordeal, this process that Ellinger is undergoing to change his throwing motion. At times it looks a hair mechanical, which I know is probably not what you want to hear. Um, but I'm curious how that looks in a game setting. And Ellinger was very open in that. Not only did he think changing this throwing motion would be a two-year process and we're not even at the end of year one, he felt like in camp he's like, I'm going to learn under Nick Foles and Matt Ryan for two years. And now once I get to year four, that's when I'll feel like, okay, then I'm fully established. I've learned everything, my new throwing motion, all that. And, of course, that's been expedited big time coming up on That's the definition of trial by fire. Yes. That's what's going on. And I think this game has definitely lost some luster nationally because you're hoping to get the Colts-Wentz storyline. But I think for the Colts and Washington, it's a pretty intriguing matchup still because you want to see what Sam Ellinger can do. You want to see if this Colts offense, which has been anemic at times, can actually you know re- look like a modern-day NFL offense. So I think it's just the, the interest of the unknown. You don't know what you have in Sam Ellinger. It's gonna get, you're going to see him go up against an actual NFL defense that isn't his own or in, in a preseason game. It's going to count. And I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I would love to see what... Frank Reich schemes up offensively for him. I'm hoping to see more mobility, more designed runs, maybe some more rollouts, move the pocket a yeah, lot. I think you'll definitely see that. I it, It's pretty interesting. No Ron Rivera practiced yesterday. I think it was a personal matter with his mom, so hopefully everything. Obviously, Ron has had some health, big-time health scares yep. mm-hmm. recently, so hope everything is okay with the Rivera family. All right, pop quiz coming up in less than 10 minutes. Zach Kiefer will round out things for us today. Let's hit a morning check down. Mm, Pacers take mm. the L in Chicago last night. They followed the Bulls 124-109, to 109, down as much as 24 points at one point. They closed it down to two, but uh, couldn't seal the deal. Zach Levine, 28 points. DeMar DeRozan, 17 points. Buddy Heald, solid night for him, 24 points to lead the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton, Burton, an 18.11 assist, double-double. Benedict Matherin, not the best performance, 15 points. Had a lot of turnovers, and then he had a curious decision at the end of the game. Was seven down 17 with seven seconds left, decided to steal the ball. Do we call that a punk move if he wasn't wearing a Pacers uniform? I think it's something that if it's one of those things where you like to see it if he's on your team, and if you're on the opponent's team or you're the other team's fan base, you're like what the hell is this guy doing? But yeah, I I don't want to see them take any kind of you know aggression out of him. I think you can build that going forward. But I think Rick Carlisle probably pulls him aside in practice, like hey, uh, let's not do that again. Miles Turner, one of seven, 0 for 4 from the field in his 2022 debut. The Wizards on Friday, ESPN, folks. That is not a misprint. Um, shockingly, that game is on ESPN. I think it's a 7:30 tip. So that for was Pacers a, fans that do not get Bally, this could be your one look at him this year. That was a sober decision, apparently, from the ESPN desk because we asked Scott Agnes. He had no idea either. So by all by all uh, accounts, uh, they, they were all sober, and they said, "Yep." Give us the Pacers Wizards on Friday night. So 
there you go. You've got that looking forward to you. All right, Thursday night football tonight again on Amazon. It'll be the Bucks and the Ravens. It's a nice matchup. Uh, both teams could use a victory. Tampa more so than Baltimore. Uh, Tampa right now in a two-game losing streak. Tom Brady has never lost three in a row in his career. Who you guys like tonight? Game is in Tampa. See, I feel like the Bucks do need a win, but given the state of their division, I feel like it's not the end of the world if they go to three and five tonight. Whereas the Ravens have the Bengals tied with them. And yes, the Steelers and Browns aren't very good, but the, I feel like the Ravens are in a tougher division. I think I might lean Ravens just because the defense uh, for the Bucks probably won't be able to contain Lamar Jackson too well. And I just don't know what's going on with the Bucks offense with Tom Brady and his receivers. I mean, a lot of guys out for Tampa too. Mike, they, they've been bit by the injury bug all season long. Mike Evans was dropping complete wide open catches against Panthers last week. So I think give me the Ravens in this one. I don't think it's the end of the Bucks or anything like that, but I think the, I think it's going to be a little bit before they get right. Not Sam looking for my like? Super Bowl pick. Yeah, I'm going to follow suit. Say Ravens as well. I think at four and three, the Ravens probably need to be a little bit hungrier, uh, hungrier, uh, to try and take their division the same way that Mark was talking right there. And I don't know. Uh, the Brady frustrations seem a bit different this year, uh, especially with the hesitancy of him retiring and coming back out. All the personal life stuff, the sideline meltdown, that kind of stuff. I I don't know if he's recovered from it yet. I take Ravens. I think I'll make it three for three. Go with the Ravens on that one. That usually means that we're all wrong. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't bet against Brady, right? Isn't that what they always say? Uh, Colts practice yesterday. No quitty pay. That was the big name on the injury report. Shaquille Leonard, a full participant. So some early signs in the week pointing to him playing on Sunday. A lot of chatter from Sam Ellinger and Matt Ryan yesterday. Here was Matt Ryan when asked about any potential trade request. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought about that. Um, you know, honestly, it's been two days, so uh, trying to rehab my shoulder and, and make sure I'm getting right there. Um, but right now, you know, obviously my job this week is, is to help support Sam and then, you know, get, get my shoulder right and uh, help him in any way that I can. Obviously, you got the health element, Mark. Trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. Certainly Matt Ryan's not played good football this season either. Um, but if a team calls about Nick Foles or Matt Ryan here in the next week, and again, the trade deadline five days away, you answer that call and you trade one of them without question. There's no reason to have one of them as your third quarterback. I completely agree. If the Colts were on a – had a couple more wins and we're looking – and Matt Ryan wasn't being you know the turnover machine that he was, um, I think they would just go Foles here. But I think given the situation, they're like, let's see what Sam Ellinger's got and see what the young guy's got. So totally understand the decision. Uh, respect to Matt Ryan for being a stand-up guy, being a pro's pro, standing up there facing the music. Can't be easy for him. I'm, I'm sure the paycheck helps a little bit, but even still, you're kind of like, I'm not going out like this. I, I have to imagine there's no way in hell he's thinking that this is his last, he took his last snap, maybe in a Colts uniform, but not not in the NFL. Well, I know, but I think that question deserves to be asked. I mean, I, I know the answer might not be known right now, yeah. but I think that is a realistic question. All right, I'm looking at the pop quiz. Good amount of basketball, good amount of football. I guess what? Four basketball now that I look at it. One football here uh, to round things out pop quiz-wise. Zach Kiefer going to join us afterwards. So give us a call. 317-239-1070. It's a Jiffy Lube oil change up for grabs here. Pop quiz time on Kevin and Corey. All right, time for the pop quiz. No baseball, no NHL. Football and basketball, a lot of basketball from Scotty J on this Thursday morning. Mark Dykton, a number one through eight. Go with caller three. Caller three. Jay Edwards is what Jake Quarry would say with that one. Sam Fritz, who we got? Caller number three, we have Tom. 
Tom. What's up, Tom? Hello. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Have you called the pop quiz before, Tom? I have not. No. How do you feel about Sam Ellinger on Sunday? Um, I mean, stay of the cold. I think it makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense to go to Foles. And, hey, Matt Ryan is the top four yards. You know, saw that. He's, he's in the top five right now in passing yards in the league. But, uh, yeah, he's struggling to keep the ball, though. Yeah, that is an understatement. All right, Tom, good luck on today's pop quiz. Mark Dykton, you want to throw number one at him? Sure. All right, Tom, Ravens at Bucks kicks off week eight tonight on Thursday Night Football. Who leads the all-time series? I would assume the Ravens. It's a good oh, assumption. I was going to say, very good. Paulo Boncaro of the Orlando Magic, Tom, scored 29 points in last night's loss at Cleveland. The number one overall draft pick is the seventh player in NBA history to begin his career with five straight 20-point games. Who holds the record for the most consecutive 20-point games to start an NBA career? Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Dominique Wilkins, or Elvin Hayes? That's tough. Um, I'll say this. um, The winner, or yes, the correct answer for this question has 46 more 20-point games to start a career than anybody else. So it's an overwhelming number one. So Wilt. Tom Smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, think of a guy who scored a lot on and off the court. There are three winless teams remaining in the NBA this season. The most notable is the Los Angeles Lakers, who fell to 0-4 with their loss to the Denver Nuggets last night. Name one of the other two winless teams in the NBA. Oh, man. Well, I know Pacers got a win, so it's not them. Yeah, I need a lot more, or else Max is going to be homeschooled. Sweating a little bit over Kevin this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would say uh, this, Tom. I... Don't overthink it. OKC, they're they're not very good. Okay, OKC. There's just one undefeated team remaining in the NBA: Trailblazers, Cavs, Bucks, or Pelicans. Um, Trailblazers. Happy 63rd birthday to Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle. Carlisle was drafted by the Boston Celtics in the third round of the 1984 draft and spent three seasons with the Celtics. Name one of the two other teams that Carlisle played for in his NBA career. Go East, my friend. How about, uh, well, Boston, you already named Boston. Mm -hmm. Stay East. Uh, Maybe go a little North. Was he on the Knicks at some point? Knicks it is, Tom. Okay. I, I feel like number three was a decent hint there, but I'm That wasn't not, a bad guess by yeah, him. Yeah, I know. I was thinking more perennial loser in, w- with that one. Um, okay, Ravens at Bucks tonight. Who leads the all-time series? He said Ravens. Paulo Bancaro was the Orlando Magic, scored 29 points last night. Who holds the record for most consecutive 20-point games to start an NBA career? He was right, Wilt Chamberlain. So on the Magic front, one of the other two winless teams in the NBA besides the Lakers, I was thinking like perennial NBA loser. I feel like if you ask that question, immediately people say the Kings, and then if not, they say the Magic. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that was the correct answer. OKC, not very good right now, but they have been good in the past. Yeah, right. that was tough. I, I probably could have been a little bit more direct with it. Appreciate it, Tom. Uh, number four, the only undefeated remaining team. Milwaukee Bucks. They beat the Brooklyn Nets last night, moved to 3-0. and And he was right. The Knicks and the Nets were the other two teams on Rick Carlisle's resume as an NBA player. So third-round pick, Scotty Carlisle out of Virginia. 84 drafts, spent three seasons with the Celtics and the Knicks and the Nets. Tom, thanks for playing. Uh, tomorrow will be Freebie Friday, so we'll give away that Jiffy Lube oil change. And get ready next week, especially pro wrestling fans. We've got SmackDown tickets that we're giving away during the pop quiz. Mark Dykton is beyond thrilled. I am. I'm giddy. I'm pretty excited. So WWE SmackDown tickets we're giving away all week next week during the pop quiz. So when and where is that at? It's Friday, uh, the November 11th, and that is at Gainbridge. Sam Fritz nodding his head. You going to be in the building? Absolutely. My my professional wrestling work never leaves me. I'm hoping they'll sub me in as a camera person. <laughs> Someone tweeted at us earlier, Mark, of um, they wanted to see a WrestleMania match between Jim Irsay and Daniel Snyder and have Pat McAfee as the official. Oh, yeah. Sign me up. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but was it, isn't McAfee like kicking a field goal at halftime of some game coming up this season? Is he? I thought that was like for charity. Am I totally off on that? I did not hear that, so I have no idea. Maybe the Steelers game? Monday Night Football, McAfee obviously has ties to Pittsburgh. I thought that was announced back in the offseason, but I missed be. that one, so totally I'm not sure. On that. Bart, holy moly, the pop quiz goes way faster without Jake Query. Well, we also got to get to Zach Kiefer, so that was part of the reason why. A little faster today with the pop quiz. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic rounds things out on this Thursday morning. Yeah, Jim Irsay challenged uh, Pat McAfee to a 35-yard field goal and then a 35-yard TD pass to Reggie Wayne at halftime of the Steelers game. If completed, $1 million to kicking the stigma, $1 million to the IU Cancer Center, and $1 million to a charity of McAfee's choice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that'll be cool. So that'll be halftime of the Steelers game Monday after Thanksgiving. Let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Appreciate the flexibility from him today. Pushed him back a little bit later. Zach Kiefer joins us here. Zach, I don't know how you felt sitting in that press room yesterday, but at times I felt like I was asking Frank Wright questions that I honestly should be asking to Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard, and we just don't have access to either of them right now. Yeah, that's sort of the pickle that we're in and this franchise is in because there's one voice. And if this was a collective decision, which they're saying, which I'm not completely buying, then it would be really, really nice to hear from the two other voices in the room. But that's the situation. And Frank Reich is, is, is literally up there answering questions about, it, it, didn't it feel like to you that he was sort of defending his resume? You know, defending the fact that through four quarterbacks in four years before this season, they had three top 10 offenses. But at this point, they have the 30th-ranked rushing offense and the 29th-ranked scoring offense, and they average 5.5 points a game in the first half. So it just feels like there's a lot going on right now, and Frank Reich is the only face of this team that's answering any questions for it. Yeah, I thought the answer that he said to you, Zach, about, to your point, the resume and you know defending it, but then within that question of him saying, I feel like at times we've exceeded expectations – he did say something that I found really interesting. He was like, you know, at, at some point, do you want to take a step back? Maybe at some point you have to. I, Jim Irsay thinks this is an upgrade in the short term. 
but maybe this is the necessary step back that should have been taken a couple years ago. Yeah, to be honest, I'm buying that. I am because you're not going to get anywhere if you finish 7-9-1 and one with Matt Ryan and you miss the playoffs by a game because the AFC South is bad and you're picking, I don't know, 13th or 15th. Like, this is going to have to bottom out because you're not good enough to really compete in the AFC and you're not bad enough to find the quarterback that's going to be the answer. So it's a little bit like across town, the situation the Pacers were in for a long time where, you know, they didn't have a top 10 pick for 15 years, 20 years, whatever it was. And, you know, that's the sad part because I hear Frank's point. Like they have done a lot in the face of one of the most unprecedented situations in NFL history. That really was what happened in August of 2019. And, the fact that they won 11 games with Phillip Rivers in, in 2020 and had a really good team and probably should have won on the road in Buffalo in the playoffs, like, that's legit. And I think that move, that Phillip Rivers move, actually set them back because it emboldened them to go find Carson Wentz, and they swung and missed. And that is the move that really has hurt them because when you go through Carson Wentz in one year, then you don't have a lot of options. Last year, you talked to yourself into Matt Ryan, and I thought it would work as well. I was wrong. They were wrong. And that's really the seat they're in right now where they're just saying it needs to get worse before it gets better. And it's going to get worse. Frank Reich said no one is waving the white flag in regards to the quarterback change and all that. Do you see it that way? Or what does the Sam Ellinger move tell you? No, I, I, they, that's what they believe, Mark. Like, that's what they believe. They're, they believe they're one game out, one and a half games out of the AFC South. They're they're 500 right now. They're 3-3-1, three, three and one, which is a better record than they had a year ago at this time. And, you know, they, 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 you know, you think they get Leonard back and maybe they can get Taylor going. And, and the reality is, and talking to people inside the building this week, like they need to do something on offense. Like they need to do something different. And they think Sam's skill set, although there will be difficulty, Sam's skill set, his ability to run around and extend plays, might give them the smarts they need. So they're not, they're not in their minds, they're not waving the white flag. Um, and, and the reality is they need to find out what they have in this guy. They need to find out what they have in Sam Ellinger so they can move forward next year either with him or with somebody else. So going off of that, what does the offense look like Sam, with Sam Ellinger under center on Sunday? Does that get you know Frank Reich and company out of their comfort zone with how they've usually schemed quarterbacks in their system? Or is this going to open up a whole new set, section of the playbook they couldn't really touch with Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz or Phillip Rivers? Should I be honest? I can't wait to see what they do with them. I don't know if it's going to go great. I don't think it will, but I'm excited to see something different. And, yeah, they haven't really had a running quarterback. I mean, Carson could move around, but they're going to, they're going to call design runs for this dude, and he's going to extend plays. And, and Frank is right. He said earlier in the week that, Sometimes it comes down to like two or three third downs. And this team is in a lot of third downs. They're in a lot of third and seven or longer. And if Ellinger can pick up a couple of those, a couple of those, that might help them. It feels like to me that they got some dudes on the outside. Like Paris Campbell's had two really nice weeks in a row. I feel like Michael Pittman is a pro bowler in waiting. They just don't have the quarterback to get him there. And then you've got, you know, Alex Pierce has shown some stuff. So there's weapons. There's weapons to work with for Sam Ellinger. If he can move around and maybe keep the defenses honest, if you guys noticed against Tennessee, I mean, the, the Titans knew exactly what the Colts were going to do and what they weren't going to do, which is throw it down the field, deep down the field, and that made life a lot easier for the Titans. I'm not saying Ellinger's going to light it up down the field, but his running ability might change some things up. It's going to be fun to watch at the very least. Again, Zach Kiefer's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. 
Uh, Zach's latest up on the athletic, kind of taking the pulse yesterday from the Colts locker room and what was, um, I would say, an interesting environment inside of there as Matt Ryan is benched and Sam Ellinger is promoted. Uh, Zach, this might be a question that's better served for after the season, but it is something that's popped in my head this week. Considering Jim Irsay is, let's just say, heavy influence in this decision to promote Sam Ellinger, do you think that could create some hesitancy or some pause if they make a change at head coach and a head head coach candidate views the situation in Indianapolis and thinks to himself, oh boy, um, if I take that job there, that owner might step in and make a decision about playing time or about personnel um, that might not happen in another situation. You know, I heard you talking about this with the JMV yesterday and and I completely agree. That's, that's the reality. And if you don't think coaches and execs and agents of coaches pay attention to this stuff, you're wrong. They, they absolutely do. And, you know, Jim Mercer has gotten a lot of credit over the years for not being his father, for not meddling, for not screaming at halftime about a quarterback change. But in the last two instances, his voice has been very strongly heard within that building, including last year on January 9th, where he basically laid down a mandate the night of the season-ending loss that said he will not be back under any circumstances. And so Chris Bowden and Frank Reich had to go find a quarterback in a situation where they didn't have a first-round pick and there wasn't a great free agent crop. We've been through all that before, but to answer your question, look, Sean Payton is going to be the number one um, coach on everybody's list, and that's a guy that's going to want control. Would you come to a team where the owner has meddled a little bit and it doesn't have a long-term solution to quarterback? You know, that's the thing these veteran coaches are going to weigh if that possibility presents itself. I don't know what it's going to look like after this team ended season, but the other thing is, that, you know, if, if you're a young coordinator and you just want a job, you're going to take any job you can get. But that's the reality, and, and his, his fingerprints are on this decision just like they were on the decision to get rid of Carson Wentz. And to be honest, it puts Frank Reich in a really tough spot. Now, that doesn't excuse the fact that the offense is a mess and they haven't got it done with Matt Ryan, but both things can be true. The fact is, Sam Ellinger is, is basically, I mean, is he, is he going to be Frank Reich, you know, saving grace right now? Is that going to be, you know, what Frank's job is determined upon? That's a really tough spot to put your coach in. I feel like it almost can't be because you've, you, you yeah. know, it, took, it, took, it took the owner to go in and say, we're going with Sam, and it's something the coaching staff and Chris Ballard didn't do. So it was almost Jim Irsay had to force it in order for it to happen. So I'd find that kind of wild that if you know Sam does well, that somehow Frank Reich would, would survive that even still. So uh, sticking with Jim Irsay real quick, Zach Kiefer joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Have you had, heard any other owners weigh in on what Jim Irsay said about Dan Snyder? No been radio silence and and i can tell you this i think everybody knows that a lot of owners think that they didn't have the guts to say it and that's the interesting part and boy we haven't even gotten into daniel snyder coming to lucas oil stadium presumably this weekend for the game um because that's like the eighth different storyline we have to deal with for this game but yeah you, you guys think they sit him in the suite or or what kind of seat does he have for the game on Sunday? yeah 600 level maybe is blue Top gonna corner. pie him before the game it, it, I I can't imagine the two owners will interact. But no, but I mean, did, Fox will be all over the camera shots. Right, right, right. I, I, I'm here to see it. I'm here to see it. That's all I know. 
Again, Zach Kiefer's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, Zach, you think we see Shaquille Leonard make his second season debut, if you will, this Sunday? Yeah, I think so. And and I think it's pretty simple. All you need from Shaq is for him to score 10 points a game to help the offense that can't do it itself. And I think this team will be fine. Like, <laughs> you can count on at least one or two turnovers a game from him, and he can probably take one of the house. And that's the shame of it. They haven't had one of their best players all year. And it already feels like a lost season. And, and that's just – there's just so many things that go into that. Trade deadline coming up early next week. Zach, do you see the Colts making any moves at the deadline? Yeah, I actually I actually could see a couple. Um, we'll see how Sunday goes. I think Sunday will tell us something. But I could see them being sellers. Now, it might be a little bit difficult for other teams to, to really meet the salaries of some of these guys. But – there's a couple of veterans the Colts have that, that I could see them parting with. I, I'm not predicting anything. This is just me speculating right now. But, you know, if, I mean, the offensive line, I mean, those guys are absolutely underperforming right now. We'll see how Sunday goes against Washington. But um, if, if they're going to move with Ellinger moving forward, I could see them sort of changing their approach and sort of uh, moving on from a couple of veterans. It, it, a move wouldn't stun me. I'll put it that way. Zach, thank you for being flexible today, and uh, we'll see you in a bit up there at the complex. Thanks, guys. That's Zach Kiefer right there from the Athletic. It sounded like he was in Barcelona traffic. Yeah, Jake was honking at him. Mm-hmm. Right, that was Jake yesterday morning as I flagged him down. He still has not sent me gas money. Oh, really? I'm picking him up yesterday. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I Venmo requested him. and Freeload and query. Uh-huh. Do you think he has Venmo? No. He can barely turn this computer on. <laughs> He's asking me how to view his paycheck. Yeah, how do I look was, at this? The, that was quite the process. Um, Ngakwe, contract year. Stephon Gilmore, Ryan Kelly. I don't know. Those are some names that pop into my mind about that trade deadline. Hey, one thing on the Kelly note that would make sense to me, Mark, is like Danny Pinter, I think you've always been curious about at center full time. With Gilmore and Ngakwe, I guess Gilmore would be Isaiah Rogers. With Ngakwe, I don't know if there's this young edge guy that like is a pure rusher that you'd want to see. Like Dio Dangbo, uh, maybe, but again, he's not you know really the same type of defensive end as Ngakwe. But I think that plays into some of this trade talk as well. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is they don't have a lot of proven talent at some positions. So you're like or younger talent at the position, so you're not really thirsting to see what those guys can do because you're like obviously it'll be a pretty big drop off there. But again, like we said earlier. You listen to everybody that you know. Every call that you get on any player, you yes. listen at least. Mm-hmm. That's all you can do. That's the best you can do is listen. If you like the offer, then pull the trigger. If you don't, then say, "Hey, we'll maybe stick this, stick with this guy a little longer and all that stuff." But if teams are calling, you better be listening. Listen and be honest with where you're at. Be honest with where you're at and realizing that there is some benefit to making a move, which all I right. feel like would be a nice change of pace from what their previous, you know thoughts on their roster would be so without be, question it would be nice yeah. to see and again trades in the nfl are not common colts have not made yeah. any for nearly a decade in season so um not holding my breath but i think it's something you have to have to look into all right uh tomorrow we'll give out our picks you know kind of a s- interesting college football line that i was looking at for this weekend again no iu and purdue this weekend how about penn state hosting ohio state as a 15 and a half point underdog Oof. wow yeah, I haven't, I haven't looked at the lines too much, but that one, that's pretty I think pretty that's wild. the big college game. Kentucky, Tennessee, 
would probably fall into line there. Not a great, great college slate. Yeah, you got Oklahoma State, Kansas League. State. That's not that's not bad. Yeah, but, and Tennessee, Kentucky. They got the regional rivalry there. Kentucky, surprisingly five and two, but. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll get some picks tomorrow. Did we get Jake's? Did we get one from him yesterday? I feel like he he I, copped out. I don't out. think we got one. No, I, I don't think we got him one. Yeah, after he's eating random snack after he's foods. Eating what the blank type bars? Okay, yeah. clean sweep of the Ravens tonight. That's what we're going with. One point underdog, Baltimore and Tampa, Thursday night football. The Pacers are off to the nation's capital. Uh, they've got the Wizards, and again, shockingly, that is on ESPN tomorrow night. So if you don't get Bally Sports. You don't get NBA TV, your one look of the Pacers this season will come tomorrow night in the nation's capital. Thank you to Scott Agnes, Ben Standig, and Zach Kiefer. Again, it'll be myself, Mark Dykton, and Sam Fritz through next Wednesday with Jake Touristine in Europe. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Everybody have a great day.